Hello, and welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. I'm Kara Babcock, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. This is a spoiler-free podcast. So whether you're watching for the first time, or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary from a 21st century lens. Thank you for listening. Now, on to the episode. Season 6, episode 15, As You Were. We have a very special guest with us today. We're not alone in our studios. <laughs> um, who's our special guest? Let's let's hear from you. Hello. Hello. It is me, Ryan B., Lord of Buffy Talk. <laughs> Hi, Ryan. So Hi, Ryan. happy to have you with us. Oh, my God. I'm so happy to be here. I'm super excited. So, I know Ryan because I'm also on TikTok and Ryan came onto the scene, I don't know, a year, year and a half ago, two years. I don't know. It hasn't been that long. It hasn't. It's like a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, but I remember, that's why I know, I know when you originated because you came on and it was like, boom, boom, boom. All your content was so good and so on point. Came in hot. Yeah, he came in hot. And um, like you got so many followers right away, including me. And you've been speaking the Buffy gospel as well as other shows as well. <laughs> Tell us about it. Like what like what about Buffy? Why? Why? Why are you doing this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's what my family would ask. Why are you still doing this to us about Buffy? So listen, for me, it started off with All My Children, the soap opera back in the day with Sarah Michelle Gellar playing Kendall Hart. My mom was obsessed with the soap opera and I became a stan of Sarah Michelle Gellar because she was so young. And I was like, oh, my God, this girl is acting like she was deranged, crazy. But I was like, oh, she is going for it. And at this point, I was already a fan of the Buffy movie via my older sister. Shout out to Christy Swanson. So when I found out that Sarah Michelle Gellar was going to play Buffy, it was just a no brainer. And ever since then, I've just been obsessed with the show. And it's woven throughout my entire life and it changes meaning and i've been watching it consistently since 1997 wow yeah and then once tiktok came about i was like this is it it makes the most sense someone finally gave me a megaphone and (laughs) (laughs) and the rest is history the rest is history it's because you are you know the buffy talk king we're like we need to get ryan on here uh you and i had met on tiktok live you invited me onto your onto your channel and i said eventually we'll get you on the pod and here we are and you chose this episode i did and i I do want to say really quickly you were one of the first buffy influencers that i saw and like i love that yeah you are you're definitely a buffy influencer like for Ah! sure like in my (laughs) videos i always like i always see you getting tagged and i was like oh do you listen to prophecy girls i'm like yes (laughs) you girls are those girls when it comes to buffy (laughs) oh thank you so much Yeah, but I love that your TikToks, just like the way you edited them, they just capture such specific feelings about Buffy where I'm like, yes, that's exactly how I feel about this character, you know? But I chose this particular episode because one, it's an opportunity to drag Riley. It's, (laughs) you know, and it's an opportunity to drag Xander via his awful counsel to make Riley leave Mm. or to chase Riley. And then also uh, pick me Sam. 
an opportunity to lightly drag pick me sam so mm. <laughs> okay i am excited to get into this uh i will add steph i watched this episode last night with my bestie rebecca who's my co-host for my other podcast we just like to talk um she was in town and she came over we had some nice indian food for dinner and i was like um hey i got to watch this buffy episode for the pod do you want to watch it with me um so it was really nice to connect with her and watch this episode and so i, I have some notes from her mm-hmm. um as well uh, i'm really excited because i had some realizations watching the episode this time around that i don't think i've had before uh just because of kind of things that have happened in my life since the last time i watched this so yeah, um, it's going to be a good time. Yeah, um, I'll add too. We all have something to add. I'll add that I'm sick. <laughs> you can't tell from my voice. I might lose it by the end of the recording. Uh, yesterday, Car, I sent you a voice message just to show you how bad and scratchy it was, but it also kind of sounded sexy in my opinion. It, well, I can't speak to that, but it didn't sound scratchy to me. It sounded it, you just sounded like a completely different person. Yeah. So, so yeah, that explains. Uh, the coughing and stuff you'll be hearing from my end, but yeah, let, let's let's start because we have we all clearly have a lot to say. <laughs> what I noticed uh, right off the bat, because uh, this is episode fifty, not the middle of the season, but a little bit after the middle, and I I wrote noticed this because I was trying to figure out for later in the episode when we talk about timing, <laughs> which I'm sure we will all bring up. Mm-hmm. I was doing some some girl math. And I realized that uh, we have 30 episodes left until we're done the series. The countdown is on. That's insane. That's insane to me. So so uh, getting into this episode, this is a very sloppy episode. Like there's a lot of things that happen, particularly near to the end where I'm like, what? Well, certainly <laughs> some people are getting sloppy seconds here. <laughs> <laughs> some of them, some of people are. Yeah. Like I just, there's some things that just don't make sense. There's something, I mean- in a supernatural show that's that's granted but really don't make sense in terms of like character development or writing and we'll get into that but that was my initial thought i was like what is that like what is that that is a weird choice you know yeah one thing i will say to your point about sloppiness and that's a bigger thing about season six is that it's a it's a sloppy season and as i get older i realize that it's sloppy in the way that life often gets in this point in your adulthood where so many factors aren't controllable anymore. There's losses. You're contemplating like what it means to be adult. You're trying to figure out employment, like all of this stuff that's just really sloppy and nonsensical. Buffy's having to go through it in a way that is really human, but really depressing. Yeah, that's a great point. One other thing that we do before we start our episodes is uh, lately, anyway, not always, just just season six. Um, if you could rename this episode something else, what would you? And I said I would rename it Expired Toast. <laughs> because you know some sort of piece of toast returns and uh it's long expired uh so shout out to tiktok probably i have two one would be the audacity (laughs) and then the other (laughs) the other one would be like like the return to captain cardboard or something like that for Mm -hmm. riley but probably the audacity (laughs) (laughs) love it girl wash your face (laughs) (laughs) all right let's get into it uh previously on buffy riley left right everyone remember riley left yay Uh, yay bye um at the point that he left we were all like see ya buffy works at double meat palace don't forget and she's sleeping with spike which she hates for herself (laughs) but she does it anyway i think that's it so 
we open up on the Double Meat Palace, and this smug, condescending young man is probably Buffy's new manager, uh, is lecturing Buffy as she scrapes the grill. And he's saying, the thing you got to learn about the palace, and this takes a while, is that job security all boils down to one simple thing, politics. I'm not a political animal, but you'll learn fast around here or wham, hello, glass ceiling. And my original thought was, what is this white man talking to us about glass ceilings for? Like, what does he know about a glass ceiling? (laughs) Well, I think as you know, Steph, quite well from personal experience working in the construction industry. There is nobody more oppressed in our society than the white man. Oh, it's absolutely true. Even from watching the show, I learned that lesson. So, <laughs> Also on theme for later, Buffy being humbled by a very unremarkable man. Mm, yes. Very true. Yes. He really does have to come in and put her in her place. <laughs> yeah. Which seems to be an overarch as this episode goes on, like really trying to humble or humiliate Buffy. And it starts off with this rando with no name uh, who thinks that he could just talk to Buffy about job security. So it's it's he says, it's not like we work for Burger World or the Happy Bun. And I, I want to add that the Happy Bun is an amazing name for a restaurant. It's like Asian coded in there. I'm like, that's definitely like a bowel place. <laughs> so <laughs> where the power structure is simple. Here at the palace, you have to keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. It's like what Machiavelli says. You know Machiavelli, right? Because you're a woman. Do you know who Machiavelli is, is what he's saying? And Buffy's like, tall guy, bleached mullet, works day shifts. <laughs> no, that's about right. <laughs> yeah, you're, he's, she's correct. The guy says, my bad. I keep forgetting you dropped out of college. <laughs> Buffy says she's reapplying. He's like, good luck with that. Who is this fucking guy? Um, He's like, got a motor. Don't want to be late for night school. I'm working on my MBA. Don't want to spend the rest of my life cleaning grease traps. Don't forget to lock up before you go. And the gum under the table should get a good scrape before you leave. And Buffy's so funny. She's like, may I? (laughs) So he says, see you tomorrow. She says, yes, you will. And the day after that, and the day after that, and the day after that. And then we cut to Buffy in the cemetery. She's singing the double meat jingle and she's carrying a to-go bag. She's cold again, Kara, because her giant jacket is on with her with her big turtleneck. It must Those be bitter Californian winters. <laughs> Ryan, you're from New York, so like maybe you can be on board. People from California get mad at us for making fun of all the coats and, and turtlenecks they all wear, but we're like, is it not warm? Like, what's going on? It absolutely, like, as a person who's originally from the Midwest and now lives in New York, I'm on the same team as you guys. Like, the coat is irrelevant, unnecessary. <laughs> Dramatic, yes. Yeah. But absolutely irrelevant, unnecessary. Looks great. No one's saying yeah. it doesn't. It's just what you doing. She's saying, oh, why can't I get the stupid jingle out of my head? And then a vampire jumps out at her and says, that's the least of your problems now, little girl. And Buffy's like, wait. And she puts the bag that she's got down and she says. Dinner in a bag. Oh, it's dinner. Uh, yes, uh, it's dinner in a bag. Um, she puts it down. She says, let's do this quickly. So they start to fight and the vampire gets close to her to bite her. And then he's like, oh. What's that smell? Jeez, Slayer, is that you? And Buffy's like, I've been working. And he says, where the slaughterhouse? And she says, Double Meat Palace. And he says, oh. And he steps away from her and he's like, you know what? Let's just call it a night. If it's all the same to you and you've been eating that stuff, I'm not sure I want to bite you. And Buffy's like, you're dead. You smell like it. How do you get to say that I'm the one that's stinky? And he says, it's cool. I'll just catch you next time. But Buffy just throws her steak and dusts him (laughs) from afar. And um, she, she smells herself sadly and grabs the bag. 
and walks off. And then we cut and to And that credits. was an example of the audacity. So I might have an audacity counter. That's number one, <laughs> the audacity. Also, I want to shout out the orange coat. I'm a big color palette guy. And this already depressing episode where it seems like Buffy's going to go through a lot. I felt like that orange coat was very much a little because orange symbolizes vitality, nostalgia, and like it's a, the place between passion and happiness, red and yellow. And it very much gives that little pop of like Buffy's down, but she's still Buffy and she's still hopeful and everything's not as dark as it seems. So shout out to the orange coat. Ah, oh, yes. We need somebody who likes to look at symbolism metaphors on this podcast because we do not. <laughs> No, we're not the metaphor podcast. That's Becoming Buffy. (laughs) Buffy Becoming Buffy. Um, You're absolutely right, right? Because for basically the rest of the episode, Buffy is wearing black. Everybody's wearing black, right? Yeah. Um, And you're definitely right. It's a choice. Until the end. Yep. Until the Yep. It's all black. And I have a costuming remark in just a moment. Um, So this is hilarious. This this scene is hilarious. And also, these two scenes together are just showing us they're really reinforcing the sense of nihilism that Buffy is feeling right now, right? She's stuck in this dead-end job. She thinks she's here forever. She's not seeing any future for her, herself, unlike her coworker, who apparently is getting his MBA through night school. Very valuable degree. That's definitely going to get him a job in, in today's marketplace. <laughs> mm. Buffy's walking toward the front door of her house, but she gets stopped and says, oh, for Pete's sakes, Spike. And he comes out from behind his favorite tree. And we know that's his favorite tree because he stood behind there stalking her so much in season five. And actually, Kari, you and I figured out, remember, that he banged Joyce against that tree <laughs> when her, when her, when. <laughs> Ryan's like, what? Joyce forever. Yeah, I'm like, is this a deep cut? (laughs) (laughs) It's not when you really watch the show. It's right in front of your face. Um, The spoice forever. Anyway, comes out of that tree, probably just thinking about Joyce. And he says, caught me, Slayer. Although, in all honesty, this one doesn't count. After all, I wasn't exactly hiding. She says, no, Spike. And he says, no? What kind of answer is that? You haven't heard the question yet. And she says, I don't have to. We both know what you're thinking. And he pulls her closer and she's like, no, not here. Uh, That's count them two no's so far. He says, why not? And he pouts. And Buffy says, Dawn, she's inside waiting for dinner. She's counting on me. I'm not letting her down by letting you in. And Spike says, it's the fear of getting caught then, is it? And Buffy says, reason number one on a very long list. Spike grabs her and... (laughs) hand and starts leading her toward the tree and he says it needn't be an obstacle and Bobby's saying Spike I mean it come on he's like I hear you're serious so am I I want you you want me I can't go inside so maybe the time is right for you to come outside and Buffy sighs and then they just start kissing and more public sex right at him and Joyce's special spot Um, my question is (laughs) how is doing it Against a tree on the sidewalk, gonna keep it secret, Buffy. Anyone could walk by. Anyone could like Don could look out the window as she's known to do, <laughs> right? Just, and see you. So like, wh- how? Unless they went to the backyard or something. I don't know. Well, number one, shout out to the fuckboy vibes for Spike. <laughs> like, also the stuff of fairy tales, like sex in public behind a tree. Wow. Also, Spuffy. Like, how after seeing that kind of a scene, how can you not? stand for that relationship right you guys mm, are you being sarcastic <laughs> I, I, t- I totally am I, totally yeah. am. <laughs> I, I was I puked in my mouth a little bit i was like this is a bit of a mistake this is a mistake 
I, I, yeah. When I was watching this last night with Rebecca, I, I did some uh, miming of puking into my trash can because I'm just, I can't. I can't with Spike here. Yeah. Like, the way he's acting is so, like, public sex aside. It's very thirsty and very yeah. pathetic. Like, as this episode goes on, don't get me wrong. I've never been the biggest, like, Spike apologist. But as this episode goes on, even from this scene, I'm just like, yikes. This is, I hate this for you. Like this. Yeah. Yeah. I hate this for you. She hates it for herself too. She's just like, I, yeah. I guess like, I, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Poor, poor Buffy. So anyway, Buffy finally gets to go home after all these vampires, you know, <laughs> disturb her walk home. Uh, she's walking into the kitchen, looking tired. Dawn is there. She asks her if she had a rough night. Buffy's like the usual. I brought you dinner in a bag and Dawn pulls it out. And she's like, it's kind of squished. And Buffy pats it. And she's so funny. She's like, well, give it a sec. These babies bounce back literally. And Dawn's, <laughs> says Buffy it's not like I don't appreciate it I do it's just that I can't eat this stuff another night and Buffy says no it's all good I get it like I'll tell you what tomorrow night I'll bring home the fisherman's nuggets and cheese what you, you know you know it's bad when a teenager is refusing fast food you know it's bad when yeah. the substitute is nuggets like fisherman's nuggets like not even just like nuggets and cheese which sounds fine what makes so it's fisherman's nuggets because they're fish nuggets like what makes them fisherman's nuggets <laughs> A great question. Great question. It's like fish balls. I don't know. Uh, maybe she has to go to the happy bun to get it. <laughs> maybe it's sushi. Um, Willow comes in and says, hey, working lady, rough night. And she's referring to the grass stain that's now on Buffy's jacket. So shout out to uh, whatever costumer's job it was to put a grass stain on this jacket. <laughs> right? That was somebody's job was they had to put a stain on the jacket in that specific spot. So good job, people. I didn't look very closely, but I didn't see the grass stain. Like I didn't I didn't notice it. I didn't either. It's there. They they hold it they later on in the scene they hold it up. Yeah. Okay, okay, because yeah. like maybe they just like took green paint and just like splattered it on there. Don says, Did some vamp get rough with you? And Buffy says, He's not getting any gentler, like to herself. And Willow's like, He? And Buffy's like, Hey, them! Vampires <laughs> in the general population sense. And then she sighs and she says she has to wash her jacket now. And Willow suggests that she blows that off and come to the bronze with her and Don. And Don says, Do I have your permission? And do you want to come along? You like how I slipped in that permission request like that? And Willow says, Very smooth. And I, what I got to say, because on this podcast, we love a Dawn. I love that they listened to Dawn from the last episode, which of course was older and far away where Dawn trapped them in the house by accident. They clearly listened to what her problem was in some regard there. And they're now going out of their way to spend time with her. Willow's taking her to the bronze. Buffy's making sure she gets home, uh, you know, boink with Spike outside aside to bring her, he's, she's bringing her dinner in a bag. Like she's like, I gotta be home for Dawn, right? So they listened, they're accepting and Dawn is not being her moody self that we usually love. She's accepting that Buffy's dinner was garbage and she's being graceful about it and not moody. So like, I like this dynamic. I like what they've done. Yeah, I had a similar point. So we all know Dawn has chronic main main character syndrome. She thinks the world revolves around her. She's, she's 14, 15. She can be a brat. But in this scene, there's so much awareness of things that are going on with Buffy and she's giving Buffy space. She's letting Buffy know softly that she's here for her, like no pressure. And she's just being very mindful of what Buffy's going through and not only thinking about herself as a 14, 15 year old girl. So like shout out to Dawn right there, not being a brat. 
We're here for it. Yeah, totally. So so Buffy says, you guys go. Willow says, are you sure? It might do you some good to get away from the double meat lifestyle for a night. See your friends. Dawn says, who'd love to see you? And Buffy says, I'm sure, but I've not. I've seen enough action for one night. Wink. Home by 11. <laughs> Dawn says, on the dot. Buffy says, have a good time. And once Willow and Dawn leave the room, she says, somebody should. Okay. What time is this? <laughs> right? Right? Nine? <laughs> because it's, yeah, it's like pitch black outside. Buffy has been working at the double meet late and then stops to slay on the way home. And then by the time she gets home and also has what I assume was a quickie with Spike, it's late enough that she has to apologize to Dawn for being late with dinner and stuff. Yet there's still enough time to go out to the bronze and be home by 11. It sounds like she inherited some of Joyce's questionable parenting skills. <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, we miss we miss our season one and two joys. At the bronze, Anya and Xander are wedding planning. Uh, they're sitting at the, the bar and Anya saying the seating chart needs to be done again. You do it. And Xander says the seating chart's fine. Let's go back to table arrangements. I'm starting to have dreams of gardenia bouquets. I am so glad my manly co-workers didn't just hear me say that. <sighs> Shut up, Xander. Shut up, Xander. <laughs> so he's eating from this massive bag of chips, although no offense, Ryan. I suppose if you're American, it's probably just like a small bag of chips. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was like yeah, the smallest available size, right? <laughs> Extra small. Um, and Anya says, stop wolfing down those chips. One more bag and you'll pop right out of your cummerbund, which... It's just a legitimately fun and funny word to say, right? Who doesn't love saying cummerbund? I didn't know how to spell it. I had to look it up. <laughs> when has that ever stopped you in your notes, Steph? Well, we have a guest. I had to be neater. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, Anya takes the chips away. <laughs> and she says, you're not even hungry. You're just nervous, which is probably true. But, you know, he's, you know, he's soothing. Um, so Xander says, yeah, wedding, one week. We have friends, family demons flying in a to-do list getting no shorter and do not take my chips so they're in the middle of a couple argument um, and they're staring angrily at each other don comes up and says hey guys how's the soon to be newlyweds nervous totally oblivious we love you don uh they both say no and she says okay i'll just be over here then because don is hanging out on presumably a weeknight uh, because she goes to school the next day. She's hanging out at the bronze, not with her friends, but with her older sister's friends. And I understand what you were saying in the last scene, Steph, about it's great that they're uh, responding to her feedback from the previous episode. However, as I was saying in that episode, I think it's kind of sad that Dawn clearly no longer has any friends her age and she has to like hang out with her sister's friends. Yeah. Well, we assume Janice from all the way got grounded for life by her Mexican <laughs> food making mother <clears throat> because she hasn't been around. Also, one thing I would like to know more about like how Xander came out to his family about the demon part of Anya's family because I feel like that's something we should hear about like what was that negotiation what was that exchange especially since they're going to be rooming together for the wedding and also I have one other color palette thing so there the scene is set up it's all bathed and it's like everything's red like uh, Willow's clothes red Dawn red Xander's in red so it's a color of intensity and passion but Anya is wearing a green shirt the exact same color 
of something that's going to happen in the future. So you guys should keep a note of that because this ties into another scene they do later too. Oh wow! I'm intrigued. (laughs) You'll have to give us a hot stake for that scene and that. Yeah, like this is what I was talking about. I guess what you got to (laughs) say. So Don leaves the soon to be newlyweds uh, to their planning, and she goes and joins Willow. Brings her a drink, and Willow asks, "How are Mister and Missus High Strung?" And Willow says, "You know, when she was little, she used to spend hours imagining her wedding to Xander, uh, and now she looks at the two of them and she thinks <laughs> that's cute." And I like the call out to the like we might forget because Willow's so gay now that um, she loved Xander for so long, right? And she well, you could've... told me I could never bring up their affair again, so. <laughs> This isn't about their affair. This is about her crush on him. How dare you, Kara? Stop it. But yeah, she would. She totally would have envisioned all that. So it's cute that she brought that up. Yeah. Uh, So Don comments that Willow is very chipper tonight. Uh, And Don says, big wedding coming up. Lots of date possibilities. You and Tara speaking again. You want to call her and invite her over? (laughs) All right, Don. Down, girl. (laughs) She stands. Uh, Willow says, no, too soon for so bold a maneuver. But if I did call, she wouldn't hang up on me. And Willow's like smiling, like she's genuinely pleased with herself at this. Uh, and Don says, that's progress. We cut to Buffy, who's listening to sad music on the radio as she scrubs the grass stains off of her coat in the basement. And I was like, girl, you can scrub as hard as you want. You will never scrub away the sin of fucking Spike on the same tree that he fucked your mom. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh, shame scrubbing. <laughs> Who amongst us hasn't been there? Um, we we cut to Buffy next. Kara's like me. You've never you've never shamed scrubbed a piece of clothing. O- o- only from very messy meals. <laughs> that that could be shameful. We cut to Buffy, who somehow I don't know. She fell asleep on the couch under the jacket she cleaned in her clothes and makeup from the previous night, and her boots are still on like a monster. Like well, this why? is just reinforcing how far she has fallen, right? Like how much she's lost her way. <laughs> this entire episode, I will say, like I think pretty much every scene in this episode, Buffy is at some kind of disadvantage. You know, she is not together in this episode. This whole episode is Buffy being a mess. Yeah, I mean, this is the biggest mess I've ever seen of her, including the episode Dead Things. I was like, Buffy, you're in your own home. Take off your boots. So she hears the garbage truck and she runs outside with her bags but she misses the truck and she just says, don't you want your garbage She's holding the bags up so forlornly, and I'm just like, oh, Buffy, just put them across the street like everybody else does. And yeah, just, just stick them on your neighbors. Um, Okay, I will say, because it is, Buffy is struggling. She's a struggle bus in this episode. She's so cute and adorable in the things she says and the way she handles the the, the terrible things Sarah that are Michelle happening Geller around does her. does a good pouty face. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like, I find her really funny. She goes back inside. She now has a big stack of mail. I'm assuming a lot of those are bills because don't forget, she's broke and Willow ain't helping. Dawn is in the kitchen and she says, don't forget today is trash day. Thanks, Dawn. (laughs) Fuck. So Buffy says, thanks. And she opens a letter. She says that her application to UCSD has been rejected because she missed the processing date. And I was like, oh, Buffy, that's like, it's like, ugh, like, that, come on, like, that, that. just make the date. But she didn't. Dawn says she should have come to the bronze the night before. Buffy's like, next time, where are you going? Dawn, and Dawn's like, school? And Buffy's like, that's good. Don't you want breakfast first? And Dawn's like, I already made it. <laughs> and she's like, how long was Buffy outside with the trash? Like, so. But also, 
I feel like some of them could have taken a trash out. Like, give Buffy a hand. Like, she's slaving away. She's fighting vampires. Can you guys please take out the garbage and recycling? Please, please. Well, and and also, also, when did Don and Willow get home versus when did Buffy fall asleep on the couch? Because, like, if they got home before Buffy fell asleep on the couch, then what did they have said hi to Buffy? And Don would have been like, you should have come to the bronze. It was so fun. And if they go home after, wouldn't they have like woken Buffy up and be like, "Hey, Buffy, go to bed." Like, well, I think I think Buffy's shame is so much that she was scrubbing that coat long after eleven p.m. when they came <laughs> home, um, and then maybe she missed them and just went straight to the living room to wait up for them. Fell asleep. It's just just it's just chaos in this house. Um, but I totally agree. Like, why aren't they helping with the chores? <laughs> Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I, I didn't even think about that, but like, come on. Yeah, um, so this makes me mad. Well, not mad, but it, at, first, at first I'm like, aw, because Don says, okay, I'll see you this afternoon unless you're working tonight then or tomorrow's cool. Don't work too hard. She kisses Buffy on the cheek and goes, and I was like, aw. She's trying so hard. I know. Little Donna first trying her best there. And I was like, that's sweet. But what's not sweet is that she left this huge mess I guess she made pancakes in the morning and it's all there and Buffy looks at it and starts cleaning up. So uh, my point about this after the the fact um, goes along with what Ryan said about chores is like, it's interesting how the domestic life is depicted here, how things are piling up around Buffy in her domestic life, right? The mail, the dishes, responsibility, and she's clearly not handling adult life um, as well as she should. Also shows us why jumping into a portal and dying seemed like a viable option. If, if <laughs> right? this is what you come back to. In this economy? <laughs> right. She's like, I could really go for a portal right now. So Buffy is grilling at the Double Meat Palace. And as this guy, again, is like just chatting her to her about nothing, he asks her if she heard back from college yet. She says, yeah, but he's clearly not listening. He says, your turn up front. I'll deal back here. You take the customers. Buffy goes up to the counter. <clears throat> and says, welcome to the Double Meat Palace. How may I help? But then she stops because a giant piece of cornbread with eyebrows <laughs> is in front of her. Oh my God, Riley Finn has returned to Sunnydale and he's got Scarface now. He's Scar from Lion King. He says, hey, and she says, huh? So, so Riley's back. I want to add first and foremost that Buffy is so adorable in the scene that's to follow this. But I had to remind myself, because it's been uh, almost a year, or I guess almost a whole season, since we've seen this man. And, you know, time heals wounds. And I didn't want my wound to be healed. I want it to be fresh. So I had to remind myself all the things we talked about in season five, because season four, Riley was not that bad. No. I had to remind myself, and I'd made a little list just off the top of my head of things that Cara and I, uh, like, flamed about. So... Uh, remember when he blamed Buffy for Dracula sexually assaulting her? <laughs> yeah. Remember when he cheated on her repeatedly with vampire prostitutes and and treated those prostitutes like trash? I mean, they're vampires, but the metaphor is that he treated the prostitutes that way. Sex work is real work. Mm -hmm. And he never apologized to Buffy for any of that. In fact, he blamed her for do for making him do that. <laughs> he was like, that's because of you, though. Um, and then he put an ultimatum on her to forget about all that or else he leaves if you don't forgive me immediately. And overall, he made her feel bad for taking care of her dying mother and her little sister 
and not paying enough attention to him, making him feel like the special boy his mom back in Iowa would make him feel. So these are just off the top of my head, things that were we were like, goodbye, Riley, by the time he left. And I think Kara, because Into the Woods in season five was such an episode that he left in that helicopter, the helicopter did its job, took him far away. But we got distracted because Xander had his whole conversation with Buffy after Riley gave the ultimatum and we got hung up on that for like half an hour (laughs) so we really did yeah yeah so i feel like that cushioned a little bit of the riley hate in the riley hate episode so i'm glad he's back because it all came screaming back in my face and this is why i wanted to do this episode because (laughs) the whole riley leaving thing was a complete chop job on on buffy and even joyce played a hand in it, making her think that she was being unattentive as a girlfriend. But Riley, if you want to boil it down, lost his job, lost his sense of purpose. And as an unemployed, dejected man, projected everything onto Buffy, who was literally saving the world, trying to save like her mom's life, take care of her mom, just trying to exist as a person. And Riley's like, hey, in the middle of all of that, by chance, can I be the center of your world or I'm leaving in 45 minutes? Peace yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I know I just dumped all this trauma on you by <laughs> cheating on you with all these vampires, but like, you got to forgive me because I'm leaving in yeah. half an hour. So like, what's yeah. going to be? But really, aren't you the problem? <laughs> but <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's on you. So, and then Xander's like, it is on you, Buffy. <laughs> I'm leaving by means that you won't even be able to catch me. Not by train, not by car, but I'm leaving in a helicopter because I yeah. know you can't fly. Where, where did he go? Like, he went to Belize? He's like, I'm, I'm going to Belize. Knows? See ya. Uh, all right. So anyway, he's back. And when he was in Belize, something smashed his face up and now he's got a scar. Is it a sexy scar? N- well, mm, no, because it's Riley. But like, if you take the Riley out of the Mark Blucas, yeah, it's a sexy scar. Scars are hot. <laughs> I like how you put that. <laughs> I mean, that's, I, hey, if this was Riley all of a sudden in season four, he got badass and got a scar, I'd be like, okay, okay, okay. Because there was like a, a chunk of episodes in season four where I was like, am I attracted <laughs> to Riley? <laughs> because angel left and i just i I was feeding off scraps so anyway anyway riley says sorry to just drop in on you like this buffy and he, she says it's you he says it's me she says you're here he says i know she says and were you always this tall <laughs> so you're... i had that same thought like when he was at the register i thought i was like yeah i don't remember him being this tall Oh, he grew. <laughs> he grew in belief. <laughs> so he says, this is the way I wanted it. But something's come up, something big. We don't have much time. You understand? And Buffy nods and then says, not a word you said so far. <laughs> She's so fucking cute. Um, he says, I shouldn't have, I should have known, anticipated. You're working. And Buffy says, just counter, not grill anymore. <laughs> I was dying when I was watching this scene. Because there's a difference. There's a difference. I was promoted to the front. Thank you very much. Um, Which, my high school job, I worked in fast food, and it does work that way. You start off in the back in the grill, and you move on up to register. So she was letting him know that she was girl bossing. That that makes sense. You got to learn, right? You got to learn the product. You got to learn how that stuff gets together. So Riley says, I want to explain. I just don't have time. I've been up for 48 hours straight tracking something bad. Now it's come to Sunnydale. And Buffy's like, my hat has a cow. (laughs) 
<laughs> so Riley says, I know that I'm putting you on the spot and it, it's showing up like this, but here we are. I need the best. I need you, Buffy. Can you help me? And her manager comes up behind her. He's like, Buffy, people are waiting. And she just says like, fuck you. She doesn't say that, but she, she, she throws her hat down and she leaves with the tall piece of toast. And her manager's like, Buffy, Buffy, no. <laughs> Buffy has answered the call in the most clear fashion possible. And you know what? Good for her. I I gotta be honest, Steph. If Raleigh showed up at my work and was like, I need you to help me take care of this, I'd probably go with him at this point, right? Like, you're, are we still mad at him? I don't know. We're going to find out. This, this is why I had to remind myself. I was like, this wait. Could it, it could it be worse than the double meat though, right? It's true. Whatever he's got coming down, Buffy's like anything but this bullshit counter work. Also, like the fact that like, it's not just like that the guy comes in and says that. It's her ex-boyfriend out of the blue, back from Belize, all 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 tall and in dark and looking handsome with a scar. And he's like, come with me. I need you. Of course, she's like, yeah, like, let's go. Right. Like she's only human on the streets. Riley's apologizing for how sudden this is and says, when we get a minute, I'd like to sit down. But one one of his devices goes off and he's like, it's a Savolte demon, rare, lethal, nearly extinct, but not nearly enough. It's close. And Buffy's grin- grinning at him. And she says, you still carry around all that James Bond stuff. It's so cute. I forgot. Buffy flirting with this guy immediately. So he says, we've been tear <laughs> assing <laughs> through every jungle from Paraguay up taking out nests soon as we put one savolti down a dozen take its place they're breeders buffy on turn um, one turns to 10 10 become 100 if things get out of hand and there's a war with the humans the humans are gonna lose what <laughs> this is where okay this is where i started the stakes could not be higher <laughs> so so there, like i said there's moments in this episode where i'm like what this was the first one because i was like there's going to be a war with the humans and the Savolte demon. Okay. <laughs> okay. So um, Buffy says they're like really mean tribbles. Sorry. I've been dealing with these geeks. It's a whole thing. I don't know what tribbles are. Do you guys know? I don't. Uh, yes. Hello. Oh, sorry. Our geek in podcast will, will tell us. <laughs> they're from Star Trek. Uh, specifically, they appeared in the original series uh, with the <laughs> Enterprise under Captain James T. Kirk. They don't like Klingons. They reproduce really, really fast. They're actually born pregnant. Interesting. So once in a while, Buffy throws out like a Star Trek quote because she did that in season five or four, one of them. And uh, I think we commented then. We're like, would she know that? Like, does Buffy secretly watch Star Trek? Buffy's so tracky. So so Tribbles, by the way, they look, they're really cheap props. They look like like furry like hamsters but with no like just the body so they're just big fluff cute yeah they're really cute and they make soothing purring noises so people will want to like take care of them and then they just breed way too much so this is the show every once in a every once at least every episode where the trio is not involved they got to bring up the trio just to remind you guys that some sort of big bad is happening out there the biggest of bads <laughs> so suddenly this volte demon just appears in the middle of the streets like causing a ruckus like i i think it was like pushing over her trash can or something and i was like what <laughs> because it looks like something from men in black it doesn't look like a typical demon it's another vaguely phallic shaped demon stuff we can add it to the collection mm, another penis demon uh and the funniest thing about this is that riley says to all the people in the area national forestry service we got a wild bear (laughs) like how stupid are people in sunnydale the thing is is like people in sunnydale they they like they deal with giant snakes all the time 
So like this, they just say what it is. Be like, there's a there's a demon. Like just run. But yet somehow people in Sunnydale would probably still act as if it's a bear. Yet somehow. <laughs> also, I want to have a moment for Buffy. Like, I just want to shout out Buffy because this is a nightmare situation. So when your boyfriend of that magnitude comes back in town, you want to have a baddie moment. Like, you want him to come back and feel like, damn, you know, that was what I walked away from. And it was, she was robbed. She was robbed of a baddie moment. Mm. And she's just doing the best she can. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up, Ryan, because that reminds me of something I had in my note. Uh, coincidentally, actually, my friend Rebecca um, told me that that same day that she came over and we watched Buffy together, she ran into at a coffee shop her ex-boyfriend from like five five or six years ago now. Um, and she so she said, as we were watching the scene where Riley shows up at the cash register, she's like, that's me today, except I'm Riley because she's the one who has it together versus the ex-boyfriend. And I'm just like... Good yeah. for you, Rebecca. And yeah, it's, Love that's that for the her. point, right? Is it's like, um, I, I've obviously never been in that kind of relationship myself, but my understanding is that when you run into your ex, you know, it's like you, you want to be the one who's doing, even if it's a slightly better than them, right? Oh, there's nothing better. I, I have had that moment where my ex, we've run into each other and I saw the look on his face and I'm like, yeah, like you did that. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, Yeah. <laughs> It is a delicious feeling. Uh, I know it as well. But but like you want to not be petty. You want to be like, I want you to be happy. But if you're winning, like you said, Cara, just in the slightest, it, that's the point. Okay? Mm, <laughs> that, that is mwah, chef's kiss on life. But and the problem is it's probably wasted on Riley because he's probably not petty enough. He doesn't have enough brain cells to be petty enough to care <laughs> he's about a himbo. that. He's our, he's our sweet himbo who's back being a himbo now, back to season four, Riley. Yeah, so so Buffy and Riley fight this demon. Uh, it chucks Buffy against a wall and runs away. <laughs> and Riley helps Buffy up and they have a moment before they follow the demon into the alleyway and it attacks them again. And Buffy throws Riley the, the gun, I guess she picked it up earlier. Um, he shoots the demon, but it pushes Buffy into Riley again. It just, this demon is shipping Ruffy. This demon- Ruffy ships Ruffy so hard and keeps creating circumstances for them to be close to each other. So so he pushes Buffy into Riley and flies away. <laughs> Literally just ju- flies away. <laughs> Buffy says, it's too fast. <laughs> and Riley says, I wouldn't necessarily say that. Cut to Riley and Buffy in a big black like SUV style vehicle. Uh, so they're inside the vehicle. Um, Riley's driving, of course. He wouldn't let Buffy drive. Uh, which is probably for the best, to be completely honest. We've seen Buffy drive. And um, and he says he's got an idea where the demon is going because he tagged it and the tag's online. Buffy asks Riley how his arm is because it got hurt in the fight. And he says, it'll heal. How are you doing? And Buffy says, complicated question. Riley says, I got some big stories to tell you too, if we get a second. Okay, but you have a second right now. Like you are in the car like following i don't know like the flying demon somewhere so like why can't you just fill her in right now good point well, there's a lot of filling in that should be happening right now there's so much filling in yeah like, like any hey. chance you get fill her in right <laughs> yeah buffy comes back with did you die <laughs> and riley says no and she says i'm gonna win 
you you notice after this hat this conversation happens, Riley hands her an outfit so she can get changed. He does not ask about that. He's not just like, wait, what? You know, yeah. like he's kind of just yeah. like, I've got big stories too. <laughs> and then he doesn't even ask her, what do you mean by the fact that you died? Like what? Yeah, no, I agree with Luffy. She's definitely going to win that contest of, <laughs> you know, stories, swapping stories with your ex. Uh, so Riley, as you said, Steph, has her an outfit to change into. And he says, no offense, but this is black ops. And you look like a pylon. <laughs> uh, and, and I also want to take a moment to note that she she doesn't ask like why he has like more petite turtlenecks and clothing available in this car oh true or doesn't want to ask i guess i don't she says ninja wear and he says battle gear lightweight kevlar state of the art boys like toys put it on thank you later and she says you won't look and he says i'm a gentleman and can you see what i added there i said also i'm not xander or spike <laughs> yes i know you added it which is why i was waiting for you to jump in because i'm like that wasn't in the episode which is true he doesn't look at buffy while she's changing so point riley uh, so Buffy says, the Black Ops life is working out for you. And he says, don't suck, unlike other things previously in your life, Riley. Uh, he says, you know, there's not many people I'd ask to risk their life for me, Buffy. It's really good to see you. <laughs> is that a compliment? Right? Yeah, like... what a privilege. What a privilege. You get to die or... <laughs> for this dig bag. <laughs> that, that, it's, that's such an all-American, like, white boy, G-man kind of thing to say, right? Uh, so Buffy says, thanks. And he says... You're welcome. And then he adds, Buffy, love the hair. And she gives him a little smile, you know, because she'd cut her hair a few episodes previous. And he noticed. So again, point Riley. Okay, so Anya and Xander are stuck in a traffic jam in sunny day. This is my next. Look, Steph, what the it's, fuck? it's the one day of the year that everybody is using that particular highway in California, okay? But like 10 lane expressway on the way to the Sunnydale airport. What is going on? Like, are they in LA? Like what's happening? So, so Xander and Anya are in the car. Um, they're stress eating Cajun Fiesta chips uh, while they wait in traffic. Anya is complaining about being stuck and how they won't make it to the airport in time to pick up his stupid uncle. And Xander says, it just gives Uncle Rory more time at the bar. Trust me, he'll be happy. And this is a reminder to everyone that Xander did grow, grow up amongst a lot of alcoholism in his family. He's alluded to it. He's said it so much. And we saw a clip of his father in season four that alluded to, the, to this. So Anya says, why are you defending him? Xander says, I'm not. I hate my uncle. I hate my whole family. That's why I'm marrying you and starting a new family. Have children, children, make them hate us. Then they'll get married and we'll sleep on their couch, a circle of life. And Anya says, the gnarls are teleporting in 20 minutes. If I'm not there to greet them, someone's getting incinerated. Okay, Anya, how are you going to get to the airport, pick up Uncle Roy, and get back in 20... That's not realistic at all. Also, who knew that Anya had such a deep rapport with, with Narl and his <laughs> wife, apparently? <laughs> right? Uh, the little things we're learning about Anya as time goes on. She, so Xander says, why did we ever agree to have your friends who are demons and my family who are monsters stay in our place? And Anya says, I can only do so much, Xander. Planning this marriage is like staging an invasion of Normandy. And Xander says, we should have eloped. And I will add, because I've been through the wedding planning process, that at some point, someone says that, right? At one point while you're planning the stupid day, you say, let's just fucking elope, all right? Which one of you was it? 
me. But you know what? We, I mean, fun fact, we did plan an elopement, but COVID got in the way. We were going to go to Copenhagen and, and elope and then have a big party. There. I know, but COVID ruined it. What, what was your stress food of choice while, while wedding planning? I unfortunately fell into the wedding diet culture, which was very unhealthy. It's it's like that where you cut everything down a couple months before the wedding. Yes, I remember. You were on the treadmill every time we were watching a Twilight movie together. <laughs> Don't call me out like that. I wanted to look thin and beautiful. Um, you always look beautiful, Steph. Oh, I know. And you told me that too. You're like, you don't have to do this, Steph. And I was like, no, I do. But that's the thing. Um, as soon as the wedding ended, like literally the the next day or the night of when I got home and out of my dress, it was it was charcuterie boards um, in memory of my love of Angel. It was nachos. It was like pitas, anything I could find I was eating. But I don't recommend it. It's it's a headspace that a lot of brides find themselves in, and it's it's not healthy, right? Like it's just, you want to feed your body the nutrients it needs to survive, and I, I get that I'm a hypocrite for saying that because I did it. Hey, you're human. We're all messy. Yeah, we're we're Love all you. messy. I I did a lot of shame uh, scrubbing <laughs> of my clothes after that. <laughs> so so anyway, they're eating chips. Good for them. Anya says, no, I've been through too much planning this wedding and it's not going to happen as in like the elopement. It's going to be our perfect, perfect day if I have to kill every one of our guests and half this town to do it. And I was like, this is so reminiscent of when Buffy made her declaration in the prom, right? <laughs> I, and I will say this because, you know, this is really all we're getting of, Buff, of Anya and Xander in this episode. It's funny, right? And and I'm, I'm going to repeat this for Ryan's benefit mainly. Um, one of my big complaints about season six so far is that Anya and Xander are basically sidelined in this season. And the only times we, we're seeing them right now are for wedding planning related jokes. Um, they don't really have much of a story in this part of the season, except, oh, they're getting married. And, and I, I wish the writers had spent more time on their individual characters yeah. and on involving them in what was going on. No, totally. And this would have been prime time to develop Xander so we wouldn't hate him as much. It was a missed mm. opportunity. But on the positive side, we get to continue to hate Xander. So, <laughs> so very good point. You, yeah. you can come back. You can come back to this podcast. <laughs> um, so Buffy and Riley then pull up. And I, Steph, I love how you have so many question marks about this episode in your notes. Buffy and Riley pull up to the Sunnydale Dam. I'm sorry, but like, like I said, this episode's sloppy because it's like, what in the what? So, 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 there's a giant dam now. Well, they had to build it so that they could temporarily drain the sewers because they found out there was a snake demon down there. <laughs> Why did it have to be the dam? Like, they could go literally to like the the, the airport, the, the docks, the, the, docks, um, <laughs> the, the zoo, old Sunnydale High School. Like, they, there's so many the train things. station. Um... Anyway, whatever. <laughs> So, yeah, the demon is apparently inside the dab, so they got to go down and into it. And Buffy's deciding she's going to flirt with Riley. So she's, she says, so, Mr. Finn, got an extra jetpack for a girl like me? Riley says, sorry, fresh out of jetpacks. Looks like we'll have to share. This test line's built for one. So if we're going to go together and we're not hauling any gear, it's just you and me. And Buffy says, I was never big on the hardware anyway. Riley asks her if she will hold on to him. And she says, if that's what it takes... So she jumps on him. That's how Steph described it in her notes. Uh, she says, ready when you are, Agent Finn. And he lowers them down. You know what he says to her? He says, you better hold on tight, spider monkey. Just like Edward Cullen said to Bella in Twilight. Remember, Carl, we watched that movie. 
sure. <laughs> I guess we're we're almost due for our annual rewatch, right? <laughs> it's been six months. It's time. I mean, I know you probably watched it like six times since then. Oh, my baby has seen it like three times at least. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so they 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 move down on the rope. Uh, they find the demon. They fight it. Buffy and Riley get beaten up a bit. At one point, Buffy shouts, Riley! Um, Riley! And Riley uses his body to kick the demon down. Uh, but then they're up against a wall. They're face to face. And as they stare at each other, apparently, Steph says, they have a moment. Another moment. Um, led by the the demon, right? The demon is the one that wants this to happen. <laughs> the demons in the background be just like, I just really ship you guys and I've missed Riley since season five. We love when the demons ship the characters on the show. Like the, Sometimes they just intervene. Like Remember in, in when we covered Angel, I Will Remember You, um, the Mora demon was shipping <laughs> Bangel. <laughs> like really wanted them to be together. I, I'm on board with this. Yeah, yeah. this is canon now. <laughs> Uh, so someone lands between them. Someone interrupts their moment, and it's a beautiful woman uh, who says, "Hey there, uh, what exactly are you doing with my husband?" Uh, Buffy has shocked face, and she says, "Husband, wife. Those aren't code names like Big Dog or Falcon. I didn't think so." And Riley says, "Buffy, meet Sam. Sam, Buffy." Sam says, "Pleasure," uh, and Buffy says demon because the demon is right behind them sam says mine and starts beating it up so the way that sam and we're gonna have a lot to say about sam um but the way that sam just like starts pounding on this like demon warrior it sounds like because if there's more than a hundred the world is doomed um she's beaten it up just fine and i was like what is this uh, like superhuman strength that sam has it's like remember in uh dead things when katrina threw warren out of that room and you and i were like whoa she's really <laughs> strong like it's just the same thing <laughs> buffy tells riley that she's good you know referring to sam and riley says she's a special one buffy asks how long they've been married riley says four months almost what like he he married her after Buffy died before she came back, I believe. Because the whole thing about like Riley not knowing that Buffy died. Riley knows that Buffy's working at the double meet. Are we really to assume that he didn't have like an intel team stalking Buffy day, day and night? And and the Slayer dying is a pretty big mystical pretty event. Big Are we really to assume that the US government or whomever Riley's working for didn't like have some kind of alert go off when Buffy died. They thought the Slayer was a myth and they were mistaken. Remember? <laughs> like they didn't know she was a real thing. Um, yeah, this is, I mean, as I have more notes on this later, but like it, it's opened up a can of worms as to timing, right. With Riley being married now after leaving, but also in what does he know about Buffy's life before he comes back? Because yeah. like you're saying right now, he was unaware that she died, but he knew she worked at double meat palace. Does he know about Joyce? Does he know about Dawn? Like being the key? Like there's a lot of things that he wouldn't, he probably doesn't know. Because of my Riley hate, I have a theory that he knows a lot more than we think. And he's orchestrating all of this exactly this way to humili humiliate Buffy. That's how it seems to me. Because I love it. <laughs> he has time during his girlfriend or his wife beating up this demon 
to fill her in on the deets in his life, but you guys were just an SUV and you said yes. nothing about the wife or any of them. <laughs> he was more like, oh, you died? Well, here's my cool story. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he orchestrated that dramatic moment when the wife comes down and sees, oh yes. It, it gave, Is he in league with the demon this entire episode? I think so. It's very much Bravo production team-esque. Mm. Yes. yes. He pays the demon <laughs> off later on. He's like, all right, you're good now. <laughs> So you're saying the demon doesn't ship Ruffy. He ships uh, Ram or, or Siley. <laughs> the Finns. Dude, demon's, just, demon's just some guy that uh, Riley found on Craigslist or at Willie's right? In a, in a bear suit. And he was like, I told you to dress like a bear. And he's like, this is all I and he's like why is this chick so strong that's why sam could beat it up because he's just like whoa whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh oh, oh man we are really peeling back the layers of this show episode by episode. i love how we've gone full-on like QAnon conspiracy theory here it's not a demon it's not a demon none of these demons are real <laughs> all right all right, all right. Uh, so uh, buffy congratulates riley by saying mazel tov and then she asks sarcastically any children and riley surprisingly picks up on the sarcasm and he says i meant to tell you when the time was right which is brian is pointing out here when but that was like 10 minutes ago in the car <laughs> um R- riley says she caught up to us a hell of a lot faster than i would have guessed possible she does that so you're telling me riley that you know that she's really fast and and exceeds your expectations that you fail to adjust your expectations yeah that sounds about right Mm. yeah it's a conspiracy Mm. it's yeah Mm. (laughs) classic riley so buffy asks if they do the husband wife tag team demon fighting thing often and riley says that's what brought them together that's what brought ruffy together (laughs) you know they get hungry and horny after a fight (laughs) right remember that Ooh, take me back to season so four sam gets hit and riley intervenes they're both fighting the demon while buffy's just standing there processing <laughs> uh, and then buffy walks up to the demon and just breaks its neck she killed dale from craigslist the entire time right this is katrina all over again <laughs> but but like they didn't need to fight the demon this much. She must have been dragging out this fight to spend more time with Riley. Yeah. So Buffy says, call this your wedding gift. Guess that's mission accomplished. And she's all pleased with herself. And then Riley's looking at Sam. He's, he's like, uh, she killed it. And Sam says, oh, honey, that's okay. And Buffy's like, you guys have been tracking this thing as a couple for two days straight. And you did want it dead, right? And Sam looks at Buffy and she says... Captain Can Do forgot to mention this is a homing operation. But it's nice to finally meet you, by the way. Uh, and then she t- says knife, and R- Riley has a knife prepared, so he knows what she needs. And I think it is cool how the show is showing us that they do have kind of this synergy, right? A dynamic uh, duo. So she takes the knife from him, uh, and she starts slicing open the demon, and Riley apologizes to Buffy, and he says, I should have explained. Yeah, no fuck. Like, in the car, before even, like, questioning her about dying or filling each other in, you should have been like, by the way, here's the mission that I took you out of work for. <laughs> so Sam says, we're too late. Finn... 
She calls her husband by his for his last name. She's cool. It's a great She's sign. a cool girl. She's not like the other girls. Finn, how could you recruit the Slayer without filling in on the objective? If we weren't under severe time constraints, I'd seriously consider ripping you a new one. And Riley says, stand down, soldier. All right, guys. Even I can tell when you're flirting. Okay. <laughs> All right, you guys. Don't be like Buffy and Spike. Take it indoors. Uh, Buffy asks if Riley is her boss. And Sam says, he wishes. Uh, we better regroup. Buffy. I'd hate to impose further, but do you have a safe house? And Buffy says, I have a house. I think it's safe. Sometimes you can't even leave, which is a callback <laughs> for last week's episode. Okay, I, I bursted out laughing at that. I thought that was really funny. Buffy's funny, okay? Buffy's very funny. And Riley yeah. says, I know the way, and I'll fill you in on everything. Because the way there, I could not fill you in. There's no way. But on the way, now that I have my beautiful, capable wife with me, yeah. now I can yeah, tell you about thoroughly embarrassed well riley can't drive and divulge at the same time so he, need, he needs sam to drive um so so first impressions of sam after this scene what do we think listen i'm i'm really here to hear what ryan has to think about it because he already gave us a little bit of his thoughts here uh for me i like sam but you're supposed to like her you're supposed to like them. yeah and that's how yeah. i felt i just i didn't take it further than that i was like i'm supposed to like her i like her it's kind of like how i was she, she has a very like interesting way of speaking and i don't know if that's a specific accent um i don't know enough about american accents to tell but like she has a very distinctive kind of um diction to her and, and i thought that was interesting yeah I, I would imagine she's probably or the actress is somewhere from the northeast not boston but somewhere like in that area but i will say because i had to teleport back to my first meeting of sam before like i saw the whole episode and I'll just say, like, she's very much, she's not like the other girls. Uh, she's quirky. She's different. But she also says all the right things, so you can't hate her. And so on that sense, I like her. But it all feels very calculated. Like, yeah, we're supposed to like her. And I'm in support of what Willow decides to do, which we'll get to. Mm -hmm. Cool. So they enter the Summer's home, and Dawn is right there. And she says, Agent Finn returns. Ooh, we get a sassy Dawn back. But it's not directed at Buffy, so we love it. Riley says, Dawn, geez, look at you. I think you grew a foot and a half. <laughs> she wasn't like a 10-year-old. Anyway, Dawn says, a lot can happen in a year. Riley says, it's good to see you. And um, never forget, all right, hashtag never forget, that Dawn was Riley's biggest confidant. <laughs> Back in season five, like he was only listening to the word of Dawn and Spike for some reason. I, um, I am here for how icy Dawn is towards Riley. I love it. <laughs> yeah. You know, until this scene, I actually never considered that. The fact that like, yeah, he just ghosted on Dawn. And like, yeah, Dawn has feelings about this too. Like you ghosted me, asshole. Yeah. And like, don't forget that like Riley did do a nice thing for her. Like when her mother was in the hospital, he took her to school, but he like took her to the carousel to like have like yeah. a calm down before you get to school kind of thing. So he was really sweet to her in well, a lot of Riley ways. Riley was the only boyfriend of Buffy's who probably spent time with Dawn because you know Angel probably didn't. Well, we don't know because that whole part was made up. <laughs> like it does, it didn't exist <laughs> until. So Riley has the advantage. Look at me just jumping to the defense of my husband. Notice though how Riley doesn't say a thing in this episode about Joyce, right? And Joyce and her dying was the whole problem with his insecurity back in season five. So I am genuinely shocked that he doesn't say I'm sorry about Joyce or like, I'm sorry to hear about your mom or like, where's Joyce? Oh shit. I put my foot Joyce? in it, you know? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, like, hey, remember Joyce? Where'd she go? Yeah, like, so even to, like, bring it up at all. Shouldn't we wait until Joyce gets here? <laughs> Does Joyce have snacks Ooh. ready? Um, also, like, Riley, and I said this earlier, like, does he know that Don was the key? Or at this point, is Buffy just like, there's no point in, in telling him this I stuff? I mean, they never bring it up, right? Like, nobody ever talks about Don being the key. It's kind of this thing that you don't talk about. Because remember, remember it, like, her keeping secrets from Riley, and her secret was that Don is the key, was one of his piss-offs at the beginning of season mm. five. So imagine if she was like, oh, by the way, the reason, the thing I was keeping from you is that my sister didn't exist. And that's like, you know, like, I, I want to be in the car ride on the way to the summer sun. Xander comes in, woo, and says, "Where? there's the man, life taker, heartbreaker, you know, figuratively speaking. And when he said that, I was like, fuck you. Like, just into the woods, just, ooh, ooh, get out of here. Xander loves to get between Buffy and her boyfriends. (laughs) Xander can't not make his voice heard when it comes to who's Buffy's dating. And let's not forget that literally... Xander is Riley's biggest fan. Like he could not be more in love with anybody else. Well, Riley is Xander's insert character into Buffy's life. He's the <sighs> he's the love interest that he could actually be. Yeah, yeah, that's why he wanted Buffy to stay with Riley so bad. Because remember back, yeah. he was just like, "The key loves you." It's like, so what, Xander? What's in it for you? So anyway, Riley introduces Xander and Willow to Sam, and Willow says, oh, "We got your call." So again, I wish I was in the car. To hear, number one, Buffy call the Scoobies. I'm guessing off Riley's cell phone. I, I, I was about to say, like, yeah. how did they call? Does Riley have a cell phone? So we know Buffy doesn't at this point. And, and, or did they stop somewhere and use, like, a pay phone? Was that <laughs> the faster than just driving right to the house? Yeah, yeah. So, so they clearly called and she was like, oh, I'm with Riley and his wife. We're coming. And again, like, like Riley knows enough that Xander's getting married, but he does not know that Willow's an, an addict? Right? Like, there's a couple... Like, what is this conversation is what I want. So, Xander says, we're here to help, just like old times, except with you being all big with the married life. And Riley says, here, you're getting hitched yourself. Believe me, you're going to love it. So there it is. Like, he knows that Xander's getting married. Maybe Xander and Riley have been pen pals this whole time. I wouldn't be surprised. As Willow says, congratulations to them. Xander looks uncomfortable with that. I was like, Xander, now that your favorite person is married, I'm surprised you're not suddenly so excited to be married. Wait a minute. Was Xander in on this conspiracy to humiliate Buffy? Like, is that what we're saying? They're hanging out in the same (laughs) men's rights forums. (laughs) Right? The Discord was bumping with with the demon from Craigslist, um, (laughs) Riley and Xander. (laughs) And the trio, probably. And Spike. Why not? So as they walk into the living room, Willow tells Buffy, just so you know, I'm prepared to hate this woman any way you want. Yes, Willow. Yeah, like Buffy says thanks, but no, I don't want to see Mal Petty. And Willow says, that's the beauty. You can't, but I can. Let me carry the hate for both of us. Buffy says, go nuts. Yes. yes. And this <laughs> yes. is what I decided to do. I decided that I too was going to hate Sam for Buffy. And yeah, it's it's the thing to do. It's the, it's the thing to do. And then I do have a counterpoint here. However, however, all right. Um, do I love this for Buffy and Willow because they've been off the season and the last couple episodes they've been coming back together? This reminds me a lot of Willow from season one and two and three, like loyal to a T, right? Yeah. We're getting some old Willow back. I love it. So in that regard, I love to see it. However, something that I've had to work on a lot for myself in my own internalized misogyny is to stop putting the blame and the hate and the criticism on the current girlfriend because this is something I struggled with a lot when I was younger 
don't like don't get me wrong it would be very different if sam and riley had an affair behind buffy's back or if sam had been close friends with buffy and riley while they were together and then they got together right away after that's shady right but that's not the case here sam met riley when he was single they met in belize or somewhere in that regard, I don't think she should be getting any hate from Buffy and her crew. All that blame and anger and criticism should be put on Riley, not Sam. That's really well said, Steph, and I, I'm yeah. glad that you brought that point up. However, however, <laughs> I think that's why it's great that Willow is the one who's doing <laughs> yeah. this, right? It's not Buffy. Buffy's not the one hating on Sam. It's Willow. And specifically, you'll notice Willow is very careful to only do it behind Sam's back. And that yeah. is the sign of a good best friend yeah. is not only does Willow know her role, but she also knows the subtleties of her role and the boundaries, right? She's not going to go aggro on Sam in front of everybody. That's not her place. Her place is just to be Buffy's friend in private mm -hmm. and kind of like make fun of the situation. And I love it. Yeah. yeah. We love that for her. And I definitely think all of your points are completely sound. Like Sam does not deserve any hate. But also, I think, yeah, to, to Willow's point, that's the beauty of this thing. She doesn't deserve any hate. She's done nothing wrong here. But as an alliance to you and allegiance to you, I get to hate her. And it's guilt-free to you. And, yeah, and fuck Sam. <laughs> no, no, and I, I totally and it get that. doesn't hurt Sam in any way, right? No. Exactly, Sam doesn't exactly. know, and it's not affecting Sam. So, if anything, this is just a very fun distraction for Willow, right? This yeah. is healthy for Willow. And it's fun. It's yeah. funny. It's funny. And 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 Willow is being a girl's girl here. And I do think that Sam is a girl's girl and she would understand this, right? So if yeah. she were to hear a, an offhanded comment about her. She gets that, right? And uh, this reminds me a lot of uh, back in the prom when Angel broke up with Buffy and Willow was like, how could he? How could like, this monster? How could he? And, and Buffy's like, well, he kind of had a point. And she's like, I know. But like, that's my job. My job is to do this. And she said it back then. It's still true three years later. I love to see it. Yeah. So Dawn is more pissed than any one of the Scoobies, right? She's like, what brings you back to town after you left suddenly without any word? And Riley fills them in on the demon hunt, says this thing starts to kill the minute they hatch. They leave a real clear trail. Sam says, just follow the villages with nothing in them but body parts. And I was like, do they? <laughs> because all we saw was the demon like knocking over trash cans and then doing his best to, to make a meet cute between riley and buffy so like what is the threat here you know he went swimming in the dam like how is that scary anyway and we now we know that it was it was just dale from craigslist so riley asks dawn if she wants to be around hearing all this and sam's like oh come on finn because she's cool girl she says she looks all grown up to me that is if it's all right with you as she says at the buffy buffy's like yeah wait, sure wait, sorry is buffy in a ya dystopian novel oh well buffy kind of is a ya dystopian novel if you think about it <laughs> or sorry like riley's the main character of this ya dystopian novel because he's got the the cool like yo special secret agent chick sam who's like clean cut calls him finn uh, and then he's got like Buffy, who's kind of like the raw, raw girlfriend. He's got to choose between the two of them while also fighting against the end of the world. Damn, I would read that in a heartbeat. I also, it's so rare, in my opinion, to see a YA novel where the girl isn't the center of the triangle, you know? Like it's always like having the guy in the middle is kind of interesting. Anyway, Sam says, 
the demon came to the Hellmouth to spawn, and they think it's already hatched its egg somewhere. They were trying to track it to its nest. And I was like, could it be a bizarre from bad eggs? It also laid its eggs everywhere. They have to track them down. <laughs> What's happening? Anyway, Don says, now they're going to hatch a bunch of baby demon things. And Sam's like, unless we stop it, this is getting really intense. Buffy says, which means we have to find the nest and fast before Sunnydale turns into the Trouble Meat Palace. <laughs> okay, no one laughed at this joke. I cackled, all right? I love a pun. <laughs> And Buffy says she wishes she had she had said something else. And I was like, no, Buffy, I wish you had better friends that would laugh at your hilarious jokes. So Xander says, we track the demon, find the nest, Mr. and Mrs. Finn make with the killing, and everyone goes home happy. But seriously, married man, if forced to choose between photographer and place settings, clearly trying to get some uh, wedding tips. Uh, Xander, you fucking idiot. Photographer always over place settings, you fool. So Buffy says, we can't track the demon. I killed it. And Sam says, Buffy, it's good that you killed the Savolte before it killed us. And then she tells Xander, disposable cameras, little plastic ones, 10 bucks a pop. You arrange them like table settings, guest snap photos, breaks the ice. And then the wedding's over. You get to take home the pictures. And I literally said, girl, shut up right here. <laughs> like Because Sam always has the perfect thing to say to everyone. It's just like... Ugh. <laughs> yeah, she, uh, she's so she's so perfect her beautiful yeah, face and her so ideas nice. yeah. <laughs> she's such a good such a good person Damn, and, and her no makeup makeup look oh, yes, I love it. clean girl era she was in her clean girl era before anyone else yeah and you know what i know we we're, we're trying to hate her but i i love her i'm like good for her <laughs> I think that's, she's so that's pretty. why we hate her though we hate her because there's nothing to hate about her <laughs> I'm literally like, oh, she's so nice. So, and that is a good wedding tip if you're trying to save money. I know, and it's a really cute idea, too. Unless your friends are dipshits and they take pictures of their dicks and stuff. They're they're young, right? These are like 21-year-olds. They might. They, yeah. But they had to save money because Riley blew all his money paying off tail. <laughs> and getting all those fake eggs. <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, God. All right. Okay. Buffy is watching Sam and Riley holding each other's hands. She's all like, oh, no. Sam and Riley also are finishing each other's sentences in this. Like, they're they're very much a unit, right? They're telling this story. They're telling the mission, um, bouncing off each other. They're clearly in sync. Buffy asks when they think the eggs will hatch. And Sam and Riley complete the story. They say, we think they're going to be sold on the black market. There's some foreign military powers that would love to have their own Savolte. Would they? <laughs> um, you can train it to drop on an urban population, kills people, lots of them. Money's been exchanged. There's a dealer in town who calls himself the doctor. And Sam asks Willow if she can do a location spell. And Willow is like triggered. She's like, I can't do the magics. And Sam says, Riley says you're coming on as a one major league Wicca. And Willow's like, I got addicted the way addicts do. And then she leaves because she's like, fuck you, Sam, <laughs> and leaves the room. <laughs> Sam looks uncomfortable as she should. It's the very first time in her life that she said anything that's upset anybody. She's spiraling, clearly spiraling. <laughs> she's about to enter her Buffy season six era <laughs> based off this one comment. Um, 
Riley like takes over. He says, two teams, no civilians. I'll go look for the doctor. You two find the nest. Sam says, I don't want to be dragging down the Slayer. Like You've got speed and power. I can't keep up. Buffy says, let's go. Xander will stay with Dawn at home and keep a note of that. And then Riley says he'll check out some bars and Willie's sub crypts that he knows. And also like rest in peace, Willie, who I assume died because we never see him again. <laughs> oh dear. So Willow is sitting in the kitchen. Sam approaches her. And says, I'm sorry. I think I really stepped in it there. Back in the jungle, we had no one but two hardcore shamans working for us. They're working the dark magics, got addicted, and now they're gone. Gone as in there's nothing left. I've never met anyone with enough strength to quit before. I'm just saying. Uh, and then she doesn't you know, wait for Willow to say, oh, no, it's fine. She just turns and she leaves. Uh, and Willow's grinning. So... You guys, I thought that was classy. I thought that was a really nice thing to say. I think she's trying too hard. Yeah, it, it still <laughs> gave girls shut up. Girls shut up, but it was. It was very Gwyneth Paltrow, very perfect, very goop magazine. Like, yes, totally. We we love I, Sam. I think like... Sam Sam really seems to have some issues that she should probably talk to a therapist about. She Sam needs everybody to like her. And I'm saying this be I'm recognizing that this is a character flaw in myself, right? I am a people pleaser. So I'd probably be like Sam in this situation, but it's like, Sam, girl, you have to accept that you're going to make mistakes and sometimes people aren't going to like you. It reminds me of uh, an episode of Disney's Recess. Do either of you remember that TV show? Yeah, I used to love Recess. Yeah, and there's an episode where TJ gets obsessed with the fact that there's one kid in the school who doesn't like him and he spends the entire episode trying to figure out which kid it is and then when he finds out he does everything he can for this kid to try to make this kid like him like he you know does the kid's homework and you know gives the kid all these toys and then he's like don't you like me yet and the kid's like no and he's just like why and the kid's like i just don't like you and the moral of the the episode right is sometimes people just won't like you no matter what you do, right? So Sam clearly has not learned TJ's lesson yet. Yeah, she also seems to be able to hone in on like what will make a person like her and be able to say that thing, which also gives like manipulator vibes. <laughs> well, if she's from if she's from New England, like you're speculating, Ryan, she probably has like those debutante <laughs> cotillion kind of like listen, you see? instincts. Listen, you know who else does that? Taylor Swift, and we all love ourselves oh, some okay. Taylor Swift. You li listen, I didn't want to be the person to drag Taylor into this, but I was going to say a lot of this gives Taylor Swift mm. branding. That's yeah. fair. Here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I hear you guys, but it takes a big person to go and apologize, even if you don't think that they're going to like you for it. Because she could have just oh, been like, shit, definitely. I stepped in it, and now I'm just going to avoid her forever because I'm leaving later this night on a helicopter. Oh, I would fake my own death. <laughs> But she went out of her way to literally say something sweet. And in that regard, whether she's trying her hardest to be a nice girl or not, she's still being nice. And that's that's enough for me. Yeah. Okay, Sam Apologist. Yeah. And also, we, we've all, like, Sam is definitely better than us all. We know. Like, it's it's true. Like, she's a great person. She's a great person. We love Sam. But I'm just devoted. It's kind of like you with your, like, doubling down how much you love Angel. Mm. I've just, like, I'm standing so... 10 toes down on my hatred of Sam because I have to. Buffy needs it. No, I love it. I love that. And like, I, I like that I can bounce off of that because I'm yeah. like, wait a second. 
<laughs> what about the nice things that Sam does? Um, what, I, like I said at the beginning of the episode, we're supposed to like her, right? Like you're, sp- she's Definitely. written to be perfect, and mm. she is the Mary Sue in this in this maybe, situation. Maybe she's a bad guy. Maybe she's a monster. She's got some kind of whammy. That she's Riley also hired her to win the breakup competition. Interesting. Um, but no, like what? Seriously, Sam is designed to make Buffy feel bad about herself, right? And yeah, like, we can yeah. definitely blame the character for this. Be like, bitch, get out of here. Buffy is our star. But that is what she's created for. That's why she says the right things. That's why she's beautiful and not sweaty from w- walking around for 48 hours in her in her, in her garb in California. Um, where Buffy is supposed to be comparing herself to Sam and comparing her relationship with Riley to Sam and Riley's relationship and what she could have had had she not been such a such a stupid bitch, according to Riley, right? Had she, had she opened her eyes and realized that he was more important than Joyce dying right so so that's on buffy is what is yeah. why we're supposed is, is what the purpose of sam is and in that regard i get the hate yeah sam's entire family died last month but did she take time <laughs> away for bradley no because she's better <laughs> sam <laughs> sam is also a key <laughs> like and she <laughs> She's banged at least five vampires. So Buffy, <laughs> this is Sam, the vampire slayer now. But have they had? Have they had? Has Sam had haunted dick? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sam and Buffy are walking through the cemetery and Sam is thanking Buffy because again, Sam's perfect. And she's let for letting her tag along. Cause she's just like, look, I'm intimidated by you patrolling with the real life slayer. You're like Santa Claus or Buddha. Buffy is hilarious and says fat and jolly. And Sam says legendary. Oh, Sam, be my bestie. She says, it's not just slayer status. I'm talking about, about it's you. Buffy says, Riley talks about me. And Sam nods. She says, he didn't say anything for a long time, but I could tell he was ripped up inside and i was like i was like surely a long time to you would mean one month (laughs) just based on the timeline here buffy says good thing he has you and she says more like miraculous she went to central america with the peace corps and her entire infirmary got slaughtered by something she didn't know she was saved she quit the corpse joined the squad her first firefight she met riley and we started talking about tactics and missions and stuff and then we started talking about you oh that's a turn on right talking about your ex also i'd like to point out that buffy doesn't even get a moment to feel insecure because now suddenly it's sam who's insecure and it's mm. like let buffy have something when it's <laughs> when shut up so so Buffy says, he thinks I let him go. And Sam says, do you wish you hadn't? And Buffy says, I wish things were different. I'm not trying to, like, I don't, you you know, like, as in, like, I'm not trying to steal him. But are you, Buffy? Sam says, I didn't mean to put you on the spot, Buffy. There's no bad guys in this one. The only thing that could help Riley work it out was time. Lots of time. Really? And she says, it took him a year to get over you. Okay, so here's my girl math, okay? So it took him a year to get over Buffy. Keep that in mind. It's been over a year since Riley left the show. I would say it's probably because he left before mid-season five and now we're past mid-season six. So it's been, I I said, 15 months is what I said. Yeah, that checks out. They got married 
four months ago, which means they met, dated, he proposed, they got married within 10 to 11 months of them knowing each other since Riley left. So if it took Riley one year to get over Buffy, then he was still thinking about her up until the marriage. And I was like, when did he get over her? Like the wedding day? Like what? what? The sex was that good. So the, the haunted dick was, was just that penetrating. But here's the thing. If I were to find a flaw with this perfect character of Sam Finn that we met in this episode, it would be this. Girl, that is a red flag. The fact that this guy, it, the first thing you guys bonded over was the fact that he was getting over his last breakup with his superhero girlfriend. And then he proposes to you. Like, I don't know. If, I, I don't know the inner workings of the relationship, but that is soon. Like, honey, what is going on with you? Is this part of your people pleasing thing? Is this part of the, something you need to go to therapy for? Because that is too soon, my friend. This is pick me, Sam. She wants to be picked by everyone all the time. It doesn't matter. Who hurt her? Does she have a Hank Summers in her life that that really made her feel like she needs someone like Riley? You know, Sam needs her own spinoff show. So we can really dive into that character. <laughs> so Buffy says, I'm glad he's over me, but she doesn't mean it. And Sam asks if she's seeing someone special. Buffy says, I'm taking my time. I don't want to jump right into something. I don't want to be defined by who I'm with. And I was like, the writers don't agree with you, Buffy, because if this show took what you just said seriously, you would have been single for the majority of the show, right? But also catch the shade because mm. it's also a dig at Riley. Like, I'm not going to do what Riley did. I don't want to be, I don't want to jump into something so fast. I'm taking my time. I kind of caught a little shade there. Mm, I love it. Sam says, better no guy than the, gu than the wrong guy. That's for sure. Irony. <laughs> right? And Buffy says, we should split up. She's had enough. She's like, I can't. Um, Sam says, oh, I'm slowing you down. I knew I would. This was just selfish of me. Buffy says, no, there's this guy, an informant, but he's twitchy. I show up with company and we won't, we won't get anything. Sam says, I'm guessing Finn needs me about now. He's probably off somewhere getting his ass kicked. You know how wild he gets. Do we? <laughs> uh, don't worry about Ryan and me. We're good. What Riley's doing right now is he's going to go get a top up from one of those vampire prostitutes he used to go <laughs> I have comments about that in a moment. Yeah, so Buffy says, I noticed, and then the, the two of them sing Bad Blood to each other. Uh, a Taylor Swift, Katy Perry, rivalry is formed, and then they part ways. I'm just so happy I wasn't the person to bring up the Taylor Swift reference, because I, I so wanted to. I'm just glad it wasn't me. <laughs> Buffy barges it to Spike's crypt. He's like, Buffy, hey now, if I knew you were coming, I'd have baked a cake. Buffy says, I need to find a guy, a dealer, calls himself the doctor. And Spike asks, human? She says, his traffic isn't. Spike says, clock ticking. Buffy says, whatever he's doing, he's doing it soon. Spike eyes her up and down and says, soon, but not now. Buffy says, tell me you love me. Spike says, I love you. You know I do. Buffy says, tell me you want me. Spike says, I always want you point of fact and Buffy says shut up and then they kiss and they lie down on his coffin table and Buffy starts taking off Spike's shirt and they 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 have sex and honestly this 
like every time they have sex makes me sad. But this made me sad because clearly Buffy came to Spike because seeing how unthreatened Sam was by her and how in love and perfect, uh, seemingly, her and Riley are from the outside, she clearly needed to be reassured in herself that someone still wants her and someone still loves her, even if that someone is a piece of shit like Spike. Buffy's making a lot of bad choices, right? And and this this goes back to what we've been talking about with how there's a lot of self-harm happening in this situationship with Spike. And now it's verging on self-destructive. We saw that at the start of the episode where she was late bringing dinner home to Dawn. And now here she is blowing off recon on a world-ending demon, apparently, uh, to go fuck Spike. And, and this, this is kind of where I started realizing for me that this episode was hitting differently um, because since the last time I watched this, I've had like front row seats to a really close friend uh, going through not exactly what Buffy's doing. Thank goodness. Um, but like making choices that maybe weren't the best choices for her um, when it comes to like, you know, her, her dating life and stuff. And it, it's really hard. It's really hard to watch. And it's really hard to watch this episode now because I feel really sad for Buffy. Right. But at the same time, it's like, Buffy, girl, like you are responsible for these decisions that you're making right now. Nobody is forcing you to go seek out Spike. And and this episode, and I know we can talk about this towards the end where, you know, Buffy has that final decision kind of, but like this episode is really showing us Buffy hit yet another low point for season six. Yeah. And the major thing with this episode, and I even see, saw, this, saw this in a conversation with Dawn and Willow earlier is Buffy doesn't want to be in the world right now. And Spike allows her to escape the world. No matter how gross it is, how dysfunctional it is, Buffy is withdrawing from everything about herself, everything that matters. Mm -hmm. And he allows her an escape. But this scene, he was so, he comes off as so like pathetic and he'll do every, anything to have her approval. And I think that kind of mirrored herself and allows her to kind of, get out of her, get out of this toxicity. And sometimes when you see a person crawling on their knees like that, it kind of gives you the ick. Like, what What are you doing? Like, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I feel like this scene is a turning point for Buffy. And as gross as it is, I feel like it shook her up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, certainly this next scene does. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. An unknown amount of time has passed. What time is it? Right? Because, because, because like, what, what, ta- what, what do we <laughs> Our eternal Buffy question. What time is it? My brain is Somebody's melting. going to put that on our gravestones. They've, they've driven all over the place. Um, they went to the dam. They've done recon. Is it 11 PM? And then she had sex with him and then they fell asleep. She's never fallen asleep with him before. How long has it been? And what about the eggs? Like, are you not worried about the eggs hatching while you're asleep? She's like, that is so Sam's problem. Well, no, but Buffy's not worried, right? That's kind of the point. Is Buff- Buffy has lost the plot here. True, um, so true. the door to Spike's crypt opens. And Buffy sits up in bed looking ashamed. And Spike laughs. And then he says, well, looky here. Because it's Riley. <laughs> And of course, Riley has no expression because Riley does not understand how to emote. He's angry here. Can't you tell? He's like, grr. Spike is looking super smug. Uh, He says, I don't usually use the word delicious, but I've got to wager this little tableau has to sting a bit, eh? Me and your former must kill. What can I say? Girl just 
needs a little monster in her man. Ooh, okay, so this must kill because that is exactly what Spike was saying to Riley back in season five, right? He was like, oh, she needs monster in her man. And you and I were like, no, she doesn't because back then it wasn't true, right? And the fact yeah. that it's true now and the look that Buffy gives Riley because she knows that it's more or less true from the space that she's in now, Oh, it just sucks. And also, like, girl, this is so embarrassing. This is so embarrassing. Well, and so Spike's sitting on the bed without anything covering his crotch. And he's got his legs wide open. And he's very clearly displaying his manhood to Riley. You. <laughs> that totally said everything that I was thinking. Like, it definitely was the full circle with the monster and the man moment. And as cringy as that was for Buffy... I absolutely love that Riley saw that. It's a wake-up call. Yeah, and also for everything that Buffy had been through in the episode that was all at her own depriment, I just felt like that moment's like, yeah, Riley, like, here, now she's sleeping with Spike. You might be disgusted, but this is what you deserve. Well, and this is turnaround, right? Because, you know, last time we saw Riley, he was the one getting suck jobs from vampires. Exactly, exactly. I, I hate that that's a thing now, Steph, but it's a thing. Yeah, <laughs> prophecy girls. And so now the tables have turned and Buffy is the one with these poorly controlled sexual, you know, liaisons with the vampire. Uh, and Riley is the one lecturing her, right? So there is this interesting role reversal happening here that I'm sure the writers did on purpose. But then, it, you know, it comes down to kind of, maybe we can talk about this later, right? But like you were saying, Ryan, right? Like now Riley gets to be all high and mighty and we don't like that. Exactly. Well, notice that Buffy does not say, oh, I'm doing this because of you <laughs> to Riley, right? right? He's like, you, you forced me to do this. Well, and, and this is the thing is, I think the thing that makes me saddest about this episode for Buffy is that it makes me agree with Riley, which, you know, something's gone wrong. Uh, so Riley says, that's not why I'm here, doctor. <gasps> so shocking. shocking that Spike ends up being the guy they're looking for. This is, I mean, already I pointed out so many like what about this episode, but this is truly where I, where things started falling apart for me. Buffy is shook and she says, oh God. And she starts getting dressed and Spike decides that he's going to be like, play it cool. He's like, oh, I thought we'd run you out of town, mate. Last I saw you, you were getting the juice sucked out of you by some undead ladies with very questionable reputations. Now be a good tin soldier and, you know, choose Riley away. And Riley says, where are they, doctor? And Spike says, where are what? And why do you keep calling me that? Riley says, glad to be back in Sunnydale. Locals speak English and I know who to beat for information. It's all brought me here. Ha ha ha. Yes. Very, very funny, imperialistic American man. <laughs> yeah. Spike is getting dressed and he says, look, crew cut. She's not even your bint anymore. And I can speak frankly. She always had a little thing for me, even when she was shagging you. First off, fuck off, Spike. Don't call Buffy a bint. Ugh. Secondly, lies, right? Like he he wishes, he he wishes that she always had a thing for him and he always believed that because just that's the way he was in season five. But he is now using this as an opportunity to dig at Riley. Riley's not falling for it. He's not rising to the bait. He says, nice. That's very distracting. Now tell me before I get unprofessional. Where are the eggs, Spike? And Spike says, you're off your nuts. It must be those drugs they're keeping you on. I did warn you. And Riley says, okay, we can do this the hard way. Or we can do this the fatal way. And he punches Spike. And he says, where are the eggs? <laughs> Uh, and he, he's dangerously close to emoting here. 
Buffy comes over and says, the doctor can't be Spike. And Spike says, no need to defend me, love. Buffy punches Spike too. <laughs> and says, it can't be okay. He's too incompetent. It's just Spike Riley, which I think is an interesting reminder, right, of how Spike has gone from this huge threat in School Hard, right, in season two. And now he's this guy who's like, just so unthreatening that Buffy's like, Spike can't be the bad guy in this situation. Yeah, impossible. He's such a loser. <laughs> and this is why I say this is the decline of Buffy's temporary infatuation with with Spike. Because she's starting to really see or remind herself of like what he actually is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Riley says, right. Deadly, amoral, opportunistic. Or have you forgotten? I'm taking this place apart until I find that nest. Spike says, over my dead body. Riley says, I've seen enough of your dead body for one night, thanks. <laughs> he pushes Spike out of the way and goes down into the basement layer. Because remember, Spike's a fancy vampire. He has a two-level crypt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he asks Buffy if she's coming. And Buffy shoots Spike a look and then follows Riley down. Spike says, oh, this is unconstitutional is what it is. And then follows them down. And down below, Buffy says, Riley, I'm not saying that he's good. I'm saying he's not capable of something as cut to... A nest of eggs right in front of her. And Spike says, uh, I can explain. Riley <laughs> says, You're gonna need, we're going to need more weapons. And he says, Spike screwed up. You didn't keep them frozen, did you, Doctor? Because the eggs are not intact. They have cracked open. Things have slithered out of them. So Spike says, you can stop calling me that anytime. The thing is, um, I'm holding these for a friend. <laughs> and that's when Buffy punches him again and says, no more games. <laughs> So when I say this episode started falling apart for me, was was all of a sudden Spike is an international arms dealer, and I was like, what? <laughs> and 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 also like, hey, I I I think Spike is pathetic. I think that he is an abuser in a lot of ways. But I've never said that he's like super stupid. You know what I mean? Like he is opportunistic. He does have plans. So the idea that he like I have to swallow that he's an international arms dealer. Fine, but. This arms dealer wouldn't know that he has to freeze them. Uh, Spike would store them in the space that he sleeps with the Slayer in, right? Is is that why Spike was having sex with Buffy outside her house and making sure she doesn't come to his cave? Like, just there's too many things here for me to buy that Spike would be up to this. This we big have of a so plot. many questions about this episode. Yeah, Spike gets up and he said, and he has a right tantrum, <laughs> similar to what Dot would do. Good Britishism there, Steph. Although you might say he's also throwing a straw. (laughs) And he says, well, that's bloody funny coming from you. No more games. That's all you've ever done is play me. And you keep playing with the rules that you make up as you like. You know what I am. You've always known. You come to me all the same. And then he storms out because, you know, that's all he can do. And I I mean, yeah, Yeah. you're not wrong, Spike. He's, He's got a bit of a point there. Yeah. But on the other side of that, too continuing to be a ride or die for Buffy Spike knew what it was too like Spike has always Mm. known where he stands and he knows what it is and he continues to engage and then he projects it back onto Buffy it's like you know where you stand Spike this is on you Mm -hmm. yes absolutely that's exactly what we said when he was singing in Once More With Feeling um, Mm -hmm. about how Buffy like leads him on and he's like you know he can't he can't come (laughs) because she's (laughs) she's cock blocking him Um, and we said more or less the same thing that you just said right it's like uh, Spike it's not up to her to give you more than what she's giving you you're the one projecting that onto her 
Yes. Riley asks Buffy, can you shut him up? And Buffy <laughs> says, not so far. That's when the eggs start opening and Riley throws a gun to Buffy who says, I'm not a gun girl. Cue Buffy try to fire a gun. She shoots everything except the egg. She shoots a lamp, uh, a pillow on Spike's bed, RIP pillow. Uh, it's seen things. Uh, <laughs> she shoots some of Spike's records. So then she's, she throws the gun at the eggs and she says, these things are never useful. Okay. I call shenanigans on Buffy not knowing how to use this gun. She fires tranquilizer guns. Yeah, she, yeah. She's a master in all weapons. Like, she would know how to use this gun. So that's another thing where I'm like, this episode's like, what? Riley just hasn't maintained the gun properly. It's his fault. Well, G- Giles isn't here to, like, set it up for her <laughs> and keep it in the cage. Um, and the second thing I wanted to say was Buffy, this is the second time that Buffy said it this season. You know, first time I let it slide. Second time we hear it, something is afoot in the writer's room yeah but i'm, I'm sure there won't be any more talk of gun violence in this no season. that's the last gun we'll see it probably the whole series <laughs> do you see what we mean right i'm both spoiler free <laughs> um so there's demon babies crawling everywhere little baby dales are crawling everywhere <laughs> and one of them one of them lands on riley these are basically the spiders of the box of Gavrock from season three when the mayor Definitely. had to eat. He was like, there's billions of spiders in here. And you and I were like, are there or are there like 10? And you just wanted to sound really bad. <laughs> exactly. Um, the, 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 Riley was probably exaggerating the consequences yeah. of this demon getting out too. Right. <laughs> um, Buffy and Riley climb back up the crypt. Um, and then Buffy takes Riley's belt, which has explosives, throws it down. Uh, there's a big explosion coming up through the hole in the floor, uh, and Buffy has to like throw herself on top of Riley, so they're touching. <laughs> oh, and they have another moment, perhaps. Um, Sarah Michelle Gellar trying to cover Mark Lucas's body in protection <laughs> is is something to behold. <laughs> She's like the size of his pinky finger. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, uh, there is symbolism in there um, for anyone out there who cares about that stuff of her blowing up her sex shack with Spike using Riley's grenade. Like there's something in there for people Mm. to eat at. So we're in a bathroom. All right. Anya is telling Xander that if he loves Riley so much, then maybe he should just marry him. Boom. Anya, you nailed it. Xander says, I wish. No, he doesn't say that. He says he's taken and that's not the point. Anya says, you think their marriage is better than ours. Is that it? And Xander's like, no, but I have a hard time imagining Nick and Nora Fury. That's a Marvel call out hiding from their own relatives in the bathroom. And we hear outside the, the room, there's a creature growling and objects are crashing. And Xander says, I have no idea what Riley and Mrs. Riley's wedding was like. And Anya says, you haven't shut up, shut up about them. And Xander says, they have a great marriage and it bummed Buffy out, but I can see it. I have no clue what their, what their wedding was like. You know they have a great marriage just from watching them talk on the couch. All right. No, it's because he's been chatting with Riley this entire time for several months. <laughs> True. The nice guy Discord chat. So Aranya says, so our wedding is not our marriage. And I honestly did not follow this conversation. I don't know how she reached to this this conclusion based on what they talked about, but whatever. Xander says, separate things. One fills me with dread akin to public speaking engagements. That's the wedding, which will be over soon. But our marriage, that lasts forever. Anya is happy and says that that works out nicely then. So they hear more glass shattering in the background. My first question was, Xander, why aren't you watching Dawn? Were you not supposed to? That was Dawn shattering the glass, Steph. (laughs) Also, what time is it? 
Are they sitting in his bathroom at 3 a.m.? Yeah, it's 3 a.m. Also, are his nerves about the wedding and not the marriage? I doubt it, right? So I, I, actually, I'm shocked to hear that the wedding is next week. I think they said that earlier in the episode. Mm-hmm. We're about to go to a wedding car. I'm really excited. So, I got to figure out where. Yeah, I know. We've got to dress up nice next week. So outside the magic box, Buffy is asking Riley where he's heading next. Riley says Nepal. Um, he says, by by mission parameters, I'm done here, but I have authorization to take the doctor out. You want me to do that? And I was like, don't tempt me with yes, a good time, Riley. Do it. Come on. Do it, Riley. You're going to save us all so many headaches. I double dare. You know what, Riley? I don't think you're man enough to take out Spike. I, don't, I think a real angel could do it, but could you? Let's go see if he Ooh. does it. Reverse psychology. We like it. <laughs> he would fall for it. He'd be like, <laughs> and he'd go. Anyway, uh, Buffy's, <laughs> Buffy says, do I want you? How, how could you ask me that? I'm sleeping with him. I'm sleeping with Spike. And it's like, yeah, fucking duh. But um, for, this is the first time that she said this out loud to someone, right? Like she more or less admitted it to Tara, but she didn't say it in the words, right? So, hmm. Riley says, I had actually noticed that. And Buffy says, then you come back and did you wait until your life was absolutely perfect and then send that demon here so you could throw it in my face? Wait a second. (laughs) Buffy is right there with us, you guys. That is exactly what he did. (laughs) Riley says, you think this was easy for me? Yeah, Riley, make it about you again. Um, Oh, I'm shooting back to Into the Woods. Buffy says, yeah, I think it was a rollicking adventure, fun for the whole family. And Riley says, I was terrified about seeing you again. And Buffy says, I'm sure my incredible patheticness softened the blow for you. And Riley says, you want me to say that I like seeing you in bed with that idiot or blinding orange is your is your very best color or that that burger smell is appealing? <laughs> and Buffy says, you smell the smell? The smell, I love it. And Riley says, um, Buffy, none of that means anything. It doesn't touch you. You're still the first woman I ever loved and the strongest woman I've ever known. Now, I'm not advertising this to the missus, but you're still quite the hottie. And Buffy says, you know it goes away after many bathings. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, something we didn't talk about earlier. I want to talk about real quick here. So Riley did flirt back with Buffy, right? Oh, totally. Uh, It was mutual. So what the fuck, right? Like, can they not yeah. help it? Sometimes exes can't help it, I guess. Like, what do you think? Yeah. So before they went down the dam, they were totally flirting. It, it was reciprocal. And that's yeah. why I say, like, it's a conspiracy because, like, he played into this thing just to know that Sam's going to come flying down this wall and humiliate Buffy. It's a conspiracy. Yeah. yeah and he probably, like, ate yeah. it up that, like, I'm, like, I came back and she's, like, thrown. She didn't have any time to prep for this. Like, he felt like a big man at that time. Yeah. So he's like, why not engage in some flirting? So Riley laughs at her joke and he says, this isn't about who's on top. I I know how lucky I am right now. I love my work and I love my wife. Bobby says, I know. And I kind of love her too. This isn't, this isn't about who's on top, but it's Sam. Yeah. <laughs> and I know we're not supposed to say it, but it's obviously Sam. So Riley says, you're not the in the greatest place right now. Maybe I made it worse. And Buffy says, no. Riley says, the whole the wheel never stops turning, Buffy. You're up, you're down. It doesn't change who you are. You're one hell of a woman. And Buffy says, Riley, that night, I never got the chance to tell you how sorry I was about what happened between us. And Riley says, you'll never have to. It's not your fault, Buffy. You have nothing to apologize for, Buffy. Riley, you apologize. <laughs> Like for Riley to come back into Buffy's life for one night, one night, that's one all night he's only. here for. 
He's here for like less than 12 hours to swan back into her life, endanger her, discover that she's having sex with Spike because none of the other Scoobies know that, right? Like it's, no. her secret is safe right now. And, and for the show to put Riley, of all people, in the position of lecturing Buffy, excuse me? <laughs> Not here for it. No, and you know that Xander wrote out this whole speech for him before they got there. <laughs> Again, this is a chop job, but also Buffy has been manipulated by so many people around her to think that she's the wrong party. And... At that age, after everything she's been through, how could she not? You know, like her best friend selling her that, her mom alluded to it, Riley's said it. So she thinks she's the bad person. So she's like, I want to apologize. But yeah, like you guys said, imagine after all Riley did, and he's the person in a position to have to tell her like, oh, no, you don't have to apologize. You're damn right. <laughs> she doesn't yeah. have to apologize. Um, hell yeah. So getting around that, because there's just too much history with Riley being a shithead for him to go back to being good Riley again without any of the apology, without any of the conversations that need to come with that. I'm reminded of when Oz came back in New Moon Rising and you and I were like, yay, Oz is back and he's cleaned up his image. But where's the conversation where he says, sorry for killing Veruca, my bad, right? It never happens. Um, so it's not enough for us, even though Oz, just like Riley in this case, gets to leave with a little more grace from what happened and they originally left. So what I will say for Riley here, uh, uh, like the rest of that aside, it is a nice sentiment that he's giving her here. Like I do want to say that him telling her, you know, life goes on, you're one hell of a woman, like telling her these things is actually quite nice, particularly when he says you're the strongest woman I've ever met. Remember how insecure he was when they were together because she's the strongest woman that he's ever met. Yeah, he, he can He can afford to be gracious here because it's no longer his problem. Yeah, well, yeah, and that's so that's why I'm saying it's interesting because, on one hand, he he admired that in Buffy in season four. In season five, it became a toxic insecurity of his. So for him to whiplash us all the way back to how he was originally and being like admirable of Buffy and her strength, yeah. it, it again, I just don't think there's enough dialogue. There's not enough time between Riley and Buffy to get to this point where we're like, okay, thanks, Riley. Thanks for that. We're still bitter. And um, again, he's just here for one episode. So like, we're not going to get all that. But that's what I would have needed to be like, what a nice guy again. And also he's gotten with a version of Buffy that isn't stronger than him. That's another thing. So he mm. can come back on the other side of it and say, yeah, you're so strong because now I'm with a version of you that doesn't threaten me. Mm, great point. At the end of the day, Sam, uh, Riley does not deserve Sam or Buffy. No. S Sam comes out of the magic box telling Xander and Willow that their wedding was on a military chopper right before they were dropped into hostile territory. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Yes, okay. of course, Sam. She, you would, Sam, of course. She's like, I have all the best cheap wedding ideas, but I didn't have a wedding. I'm a cool girl and had a helicopter <laughs> wedding right before I went into a dangerous situation. Okay. But to be fair, Sa to be fair, Steph, that was word for word the plan that you told me was your plan before COVID happened. Yeah. I was like, not only am I eloping, it's going to be via, via military chopper, a cheap one. Um, <laughs> so... 
they join Buffy and Riley. Sam asks Willow to keep in touch through email. And Willow's like, you won't get traced. I don't want to lead the bad guys to your location by mistake. And Sam's just like, our line's secure. And Willow's like, duh, of course it is. I keep thinking of you, you like regular people, only you're not. And Sam's like, right, like demon hunting is all exotic to a girl from Sunnydale. And Sam's hugging Xander and Willow goodbye. Dawn asks Riley if he's going to say goodbye this time or just split all secret agency like agent like the last time it's interesting that xander was at dawn's like taking care of dawn then he hurried home to have a conversation in the bathroom with anya and now he's back <laughs> whatever um not relevant riley says depends i i warrant a hug and dawn <laughs> hugs him he says bye dawn she says i thought it would suck less this time it doesn't and then they have a capital m moment the two of them. And I was like, am I sensing some very awkward, un- inappropriate chemistry between these two? <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> Maybe it's just been a long, long night. So uh, suddenly their helicopter comes over top of them. Yeah, we, we didn't hear it. And it's in the middle of Sunnydale, right? Like everybody can see. Aren't they co- covert ops? Like <laughs> what? <laughs> so, stealth so. helicopter. It's stealth. <laughs> So um, Sam's like, it was really nice meeting you all. And she's like to Riley, are you ready for Nepal agent? And Riley's like, firefights, bug hunts, big body counts. Yeah, I could use a break. <laughs> and then they grab each other and they, they fly up to the helicopter by by line. Or I don't know what, the, what would you call it? Toy? I don't know. Whatever. They get lifted up. So... <laughs> Xander and Willow and Dawn are waving goodbye. Buffy is just looking at the ground. She's she's stuck in her own thoughts. And as they go back to the magic box, Willow has the best final line and says to Buffy, what a bitch. <laughs> Love it. Exactly. Really we good. live for Sam. We do. We live for Sam. But also what a bitch. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Spike is assessing the damage to his lair. I don't care. Uh, Buffy approaches him wearing a really cute, purple top uh it's got like slightly puffed sleeves and um like a really low cut square neckline that is like all the way around it's symmetrical on the back i love it i've got a a bodysuit that's very similar but it's not that purple which is uh and her hair looks really good too yeah she's definitely buffying again soft put together and there's some hope there and you can kind of see that she's like she's feeling herself a little bit yeah she she has come to deliver a message oh yeah uh, with more than just words and mm-hmm. also like you do really have to pick out your dumper costume right like if you're gonna go dump somebody you best look good while you're doing it <laughs> so spike says thought you'd be off snogging soldier boy and buffy says he's gone spike says you've come for a bit of cold comfort the bed's a bit blowing up but that was never our and Buffy says, I'm not here to, and I'm not here to bust your chops about your stupid scheme either. That's just you. I should have remembered. Spike says, oh, this is worse than, is it? This is you telling me. Buffy says, it's over. Spike says, I've memorized this tune, love. I think I have sheet music. It doesn't change what you want. And Buffy says, I know that. I do want you. Being with you makes things simpler for a little while. And that's, that's what Ryan was saying earlier. So Spike says, I don't call five hours straight a little while. Is that how long it took you to make Buffy come, Spike? That's not something you should brag about. <laughs> it's not the fleck you thought it was. It's because they have to keep chasing Xander at work because they can only have sex when Xander's in the room. 
<laughs> or when another Scooby is why? somewhere nearby. Why? Why do I do this podcast? <laughs> Buffy says, I'm using you. I can't love you. You're beneath me, she says. No. Yes, it can never be you. It can never be you. Slip it in. I'm just being weak and selfish. And Spike says, really not complaining here. And Buffy says, it's killing me. I have to be strong about this. I'm sorry, William. Mm. The government name. <laughs> it's colonizer name. <laughs> <laughs> Buffy turns and leaves. And as she walks in, she's literally walking into the light. Speaking of symbolism, right? She's walking into the light light as it fades to black. Uh, and she's got this determined look on her face because she's like, I'm going to make this stick this time. Love that for her. What do we think? But my first question is, was Spike expecting this to happen? Like, did you Hell think no. that he was going Spike to... Thought, Spike thought he has this girl on lock. He's like, mm -hmm. she is so my thing now. Yeah. yeah. And Spike's a predator. Like he thought that Buffy was down and he took full advantage of it because he knows at her best or even at her average, she would never. And he didn't, he thought he had her down and she came in and showed him that Buffy's still a baddie. Yeah. And the fact that he even asked her, right? Like, oh, you're here for cold comfort, right? Like you're feeling low. Here I am. Cause he knows that that's why she comes to him. I want to call out that Buffy called herself pathetic earlier when she was talking to Riley. And then she also pointed out a couple times when it re was revealed that Spike was the doctor, that he's pathetic, that he he's like, you know, an imbecile. He can't actually do anything. And that says a lot about her station in life throughout the season, right? Is she felt pathetic that's why she she did what she did with Spike. So I'm really glad that after this conversation, it seems like she's putting an end to it. And what I want to say, and I said this back in Dead Things too, I wish that the, the Spuffy thing, I wish this whole thing had ended in Dead Things because her scene with Tara was so powerful in her feeling low and her feeling shame for the way that she lets Spike treat her, for the way that she treats Spike. And I thought that should have been when she did the turn and said, I now can confide in you. I can start moving on. But then we get two episodes later, she continued to do it. So I'm glad that she's doing it now, but I do wish that her decision came after talking with Tara and not after talking with Riley. Yeah. And if I could say something to Buffy, like right after this conversation, if I was like a fly on the wall, I would say... One, you're being far too hard on yourself. And I think a lot of this is a reflex of how we think of like women in these situations and nobility and making the right decisions. Because if you look at Spike's actions or Riley's actions with the vampire, they're not shamed or considered to be pathetic for doing something inappropriate when they felt there was like a need or a gap. But Buffy had to go into an existential crisis about her nobility because she wanted to sleep with Spike. Let's look at it. Spike's hot. He's strong. He's dangerous. He's there. You, you're in this dark world. All these dangerous things are happening. Of course, you gravitate to that. And I think the psychosis of it weighed Buffy down a lot more than it probably should have. Because though I don't like Spike and it's crazy, toxic and problematic, I understand it. And I don't think Buffy should have made be, been made to feel as guilty as she was. So, yeah. Yeah. That, that wow. <laughs> and, and... Yeah. I have very little to add to that because I agree completely with your analysis, Ryan. I, I didn't expect to actually go there. That wasn't where I was planning to go with it. I was like, yeah, exactly. That's it what I was saying. like you had that written down. Like, wow. Um, yeah. So like, again, it's kind of speaking from not quite personal experience, but connections I'm making to things that friends of mine have been through. It's like, yeah, you, you don't want to judge your friends too harshly 
when they get into situations like this, because like you were saying, Ryan, so much of this is the, the damage that we do, especially to women and girls and the way we socialize them to put up with toxic men and not even just toxic partners, but just toxic men, right? Toxic fa fathers, toxic teachers, like all of these people in our lives telling us that, you know, we need to be good girls. And if we're not good and clean girls, then, you know, we're bad. And therefore we deserve to be treated poorly. Exactly. By people, especially yeah. Men. That's the part that is kind of getting to me in this episode as I'm watching it is, is you know, and I'm not here to speculate about the headspace that my, my loved ones were in when they went through this kind of thing. But it's like, I feel sad that anybody gets manipulated by people like Spike into being in this situation and, and that people like Spike will take advantage of somebody's vulnerability. And, and you know, in the context of this season, I think it's so stark that other than Tara, nobody knows what Buffy's going through right now. Willow doesn't even know. Willow's over here trying to be Buffy's girl. But like Willow has not actually asked Buffy any questions about how her life is going. They haven't had serious girl talk. And I understand that Willow has been going through a lot herself. So I will cut Willow the teensiest, tiniest piece of slack. However, she seems like she's doing great right now maybe stop and check in and have an actual conversation with Buffy Willow. Would that be too hard? It would be. But also let's face it. A lot of the characters are avoiding what Buffy's going through because they brought her back and they brought her back into all of this. And I think there's yeah. a lot of guilt with dealing with, yeah, she's back in hell on earth because of us. Mm -hmm. So let her deal with it. Yeah. Who's your hero? I would say for me, I would say Buffy and Dawn. Buffy because she went through a lot of waves in this episode and this is a lot like cringy stuff embarrassing stuff humiliating but was able she made some really big strides she made some big decisions and looked damn good doing it Dawn I really appreciate it because she showed a lot more depth than I'm used to seeing from Dawn and a lot more maturity but also was very expressive that Riley was a fuckboy and even when you could tell she wanted to warm to him, she's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to ice you the fuck out because this is what you deserve. <laughs> but yeah, so the Summer Sisters, I think they pulled through in this episode. I love nice. that. Yeah, I, I chose Buffy because I just love that she had the strength and fortitude to finally walk away from at least this toxic part of her life at the end of the episode. Like, I, I, I shamed this episode for being sloppy and not making any fucking sense. But the, at the beginning, when she was scrubbing the stain out of her coat as in like trying to scrub away her sins. She actually had to do that in her life, not just with her material possessions. And she did it at the end of the episode. She scrubbed her life of, of Spike and this toxic relationship. And when you think about it, Buffy has never been the dumper before it, with the exception of sweet Owen in season one, oh, right? Uh, who's surely dead right now. Buffy has always has always had a, a problem walking away from relationships that aren't working for her anymore. And that's because I think it's because she's just so loyal, right? And she loves so deeply. So Angel ended it with her. Riley ended it with her. So for her to finally find the courage to leave this toxic and abusive situation that was making her miserable, I think she's growing up. Did Riley end it with her? I think he just kind of peaced out. Xander ended it with her for Riley. <laughs> 
<laughs> pretty much. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, that's a good point, Steph. I, I think I mean, I've got three heroes. Um, I, I also chose Dawn for exactly the reasons Ryan said. Uh, I chose Willow for being a good kind of wing woman to Buffy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I chose Sam. And I'm choosing Sam oh. because I, you, we, we have, I think we've done a really good job of talking about both the positives and negatives of Sam's character. Yeah. And for me, I just want to finish off that discussion of Sam by pointing out that like Riley put her in a really tough position, right? They haven't been very married very long. And you're going back to this town where you spent all of this time with a significant ex, literally like less than 12 hours. You parachute in. Uh, you go through this intense, you know, fighting alongside each other. Um, Sam has clearly had to listen to all of Riley's baggage about Buffy. And so for her to keep her cool and, and, and say the things that she's going to say and be so classy, that must have been challenging, right? Um, so I, Sam is my hero in the sense of like, as we've said, she seems a little bit too good to be true, but wouldn't we all like to be Sam in that situation? Oh, definitely. I totally agree. And Sam is totally the best of all of us, for sure. And what a bitch. Couldn't have, <laughs> exactly. Couldn't have been me. <laughs> if I'm going to be hated, Steph, I want to be hated because I'm too perfect. Okay? <laughs> Seriously. Fact. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> all right. So we've got two hot stakes. Our first hot stake is from Sarah talking about Amy in Wrecked. Uh, and we we kind of commented on this, but I appreciated Sarah's take. Uh, Sarah says, Amy's character development is absolutely bizarre. She comes back and firstly talks about going to prom with Larry when it was made fairly clear in Gingerbread. She was very into Michael, the, the warlock guy. Uh, if she was that into Rax at the time, uh, there would have been signs at Gingerbread and she likely would have taken Willow even in that episode. She didn't show any signs of addiction that she displays in Wrecked. And, you know, that wasn't in her normal character that we'd seen throughout seasons one, two, and three. It makes sense to have brought her back for this role, but in my opinion, it's very far away from her original character. And after spending years as a rat, gave her no development and just jumped straight from rat to addict. (sighs) Amy, just one of many characters assassinated by season six. (laughs) I know. I know. And they never bring up her mother. Like at the at the end of the day, Amy's whole story started out with her mother being a bitch. That's, yeah, that's still <laughs> a, my favorite TikTok of yours of all time, Steph. Yeah. So, so yeah, I don't know. There's so much they could have done with Amy, but they just chose to bring her back here to lead Willow down the dark path. Yeah. I feel like Amy is one of those characters that totally could have just been in that one episode and for whatever reason they're like we're gonna bring her back and didn't do a whole lot with it i i did like her in season uh i forget which episode it was when they were burned at the stake or about to be burned at the stake gingerbread but yeah i when she came back in season six it was just kind of like why exactly is she here i kind of make it akin to and oh actually no no spoilers never mind sorry (laughs) (laughs) it's hard eh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> tell us later tell us off air <laughs> all right our our i think sarah our no. last hot stake is from patrick who wants to write in about dawn from smashed uh patrick says i noticed that in smashed dawn really is tara's kid she knew tara loved her and wouldn't stop but she asks if they are getting back together possibly this is probably when she asked buffy and rest in peace stoner joyce when hank left yeah again we touched on this before but like 
Dawn, you know, was partially raised by Willow and Terra for several months there. Um, and Smash really does show how Don feels about Tara as like a mother figure. Yeah, but that's another thing I will say to that point. Poor Don, because she does end up being like the child of divorce over and over. And kind of, even with Riley and Buffy, you know, where it's like she has that attachment to both and then one goes away and then she's like the wedge. So it's like that is pretty sad for Don. We love our Don. Well, it's the end of the episode. <laughs> you know what I thought about actually while we were recording? I was like. Ryan is the first prophecy guy because uh, we've had like guys on here for our bonus episodes, but we've never had a guy on here to help us recap. So this is special. Well, into every generation, there will be one boy. <laughs> well, yes, you have the responsibility of representing all men on the podcast. <laughs> Finally, this is what I've been waiting for. You're like, yes, I'm born to do this. Like me and Oz are holding it down. <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much for joining us ryan uh it's been lovely especially for me meeting you for the first time here i know it's been great it's been a lot of fun yeah so where can people find you if they would like to follow you or learn more about you and what you do when you talk about buffy or other things what would you like to plug yeah people can find me on uh tiktok ryan b talks tv i talk about witches magic all of that stuff and how it mirrors our world and all of that also sometimes i'm on instagram also ryan b talks tv hopefully a lot more i'm also on youtube as well but that's just kind of my like spillover for shorts and reels and stuff like that uh ryan b talks tv as well and i'll also be launching a candle line i'm a candle maker Ooh. i'm a senior operations manager by day candle maker and talking head by night so like do you make a slug a slug smelling <laughs> people oh, yeah. make an essence of slug candle in honor of puffy well <laughs> i actually have that on my list because i am gonna have i'm i have a bunch of buffy themed candles but my slug one wouldn't actually be slug but it's gonna be slug inspired but so it actually is gonna nice. be a thing oh my god um so where can people find your candles do you have a, a website for that well not yet so i'm gonna launch it in January, which is my birthday. My birthday is a couple days before Buffy. Mm -hmm. She's the 19th. I'm the 18th. So my birthday's. I'm probably going to launch it on Buffy's birthday. Just, you know, to be kitschy. Can't wait. Well, shoot us an email uh, when you've got the site and the launch date and stuff. And we will promote it on our Instagram. And stuff. Yeah. Definitely. I'm going to send you guys. I'll send you guys the candles, too, because I want like to like send it around to people. Because oh. I'm really about oh. the aromatics. And yeah. We love so, free shit sure. also. That's <laughs> slug. Can't wait. You guys will be the first to receive them. I'm literally wow. so excited. <laughs> uh, thank you for coming on the podcast, Ryan. It's been great. Uh, and thank you all of our listeners, especially our Buy Me a Coffee supporters, including our chosen ones, Emma, Kyle, Destiny, Erica, Allison, Jace, Haley, Tasha, Ricky, Amy, Lizzie, Holly, Kayla, Jordan, Julian, Nicola, Louise, Joshua, Reese, and Susanna. Thanks, everybody. We will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. If you want and can't afford to donate, head over to buymeacoffee.com slash prophecygirls for one-time and monthly options. We appreciate all of your support, even if it's just spreading the word about us or enjoying our show week by week. We also invite you to join us in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. And prophecy underscore girls on Twitter. Also email us at 
prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website, prophecygirls.ca, where you can find the link to our Discord. Can't wait to hear from you. Praise Malik. See you next week.